Welcome to the Sports Block Podcast, the week after Halloween. Nathan Stack in here, Travis Crins joining me, co-host of this podcast, as well as the 2080 Baseball Podcast, which, uh, I mean, no baseball, like, on the field stuff to talk about, except we're, you know, we'll recap the World Series, uh, but you got free agency, the wood stove uh, coming up here, but Mr. Crins, uh, we begin this podcast on a somber note. Uh, sad news to report that on Tuesday, uh, pitcher uh, Roy Halladay, Cy Young winner, he said, you know, won the World Series with the Phillies, right? Uh, you missed out on that. Oh, I'm sorry. He Was he in the World Series with them? Uh, no, he missed out on that too. Okay, boy. Well, anyway, uh, sorry for my terrible eulogy here, but one way or the other, he's a Cy Young winner. He had a perfect game. He had a no-hitter in the playoffs against the Cincinnati Reds. But sad news to report is that he died in a one-plane crash uh, just off of the Gulf of Mexico down there in Florida on Tuesday. He recently just got his pilot's license, leaves behind a wife and two kids. So um, surely our thoughts and prayers are with his family and you know all the you know, former teammates, Major League Baseball, losing a guy who at the age of 40, far too young, just a very tragic, uh, unforeseen cir- uh, situation and circumstance. Yeah, very good picture. Uh, shocking news. Um, I came back, the plane was two with him and they didn't know who it was, but it didn't wasn't much of a stretch to figure that it was him, and uh, yeah, forty years old that's too young. Uh, kind of a not a uh, kind of a soft spoken guy. Didn't uh, didn't boast about himself, even though he was probably the best pitcher uh, of the two thousand. I would say from two yeah the two thousands he would be in the discussion there for, yep. for the best. Yeah, he had so, so many yeah, strikeouts uh, throughout his entire career. I mean, every every time it was. It seemed like he went on the mound. It was like a double-digit strikeout, or so it seemed. Yeah, he was very, very good. Um, he'll be up for the Hall of Fame next year. Uh, be interesting to see. I'm sure this will, if you want to say, help his cause because he passes away. Um, but looking at his numbers, I would say he's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was very good from 2001 to 2011. Uh, Phillies brought him in there to get to get back to the World Series, but. Uh, Never quite did that. No fault of his own with with the no-hitter. Again, played with Toronto, and Toronto uh, was a good team, but not good enough to get to the playoffs. And he never would reach the playoffs until he went to the Phillies in the first start in the playoffs. He he no-hits Cincinnati. Um, I mentioned, I'm sure I've mentioned, like, there's going to be pretty soon no pitchers throw 200 innings anymore. Sale was tops this year, like at just under 215 innings. Um, Halliday, he threw his career high was 266, and then wow. uh, back in 2010, yeah, 266, uh, 50 more than Sale threw this year. And um, in 2010, he threw 250 innings. Um, complete games, he still has like 30 more complete games than anybody uh, in the last 15 years. So. He was very good. You know, it was nothing for him to throw seven, eight, nine complete games in a year. So he was a bit of a throwback. Um, one Cy Young's in both legs. He was a terrific pitcher and sounds like a pretty good guy, too, from what people are saying. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, ter- terrible start to the offseason. Yeah, well, again, uh, I mean, thoughts are coming in, you know, from Brian Howard and Vladimir Guerrero, as I saw 
Uh, it just you, you hate seeing anything like this, and especially like I say, I mean, he I think he's one of the what top five pitchers of our generation, wouldn't you say? I would say so if you want him and Kershaw, uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, you want to put Kershaw in there, I suppose. Sure, um, and not a lot of people talk about him, but you look at what he did. And there's not a lot of people you would put above them. So if you want that to be the, you know, all those Braves pitchers as well. But um, as far as like the 2000s on, like the past, yeah. you know, decade and a half. That, that's probably the better way to. That's probably the better way to say it is the the since 2000, since the turn of the century, yeah. he's definitely been one of the better pitchers. Maybe not out of our generation. Of course, this is just piggybacking on the tragic news out of Texas with the with that terrible situation at the church not going to get into that but uh you just hear about all the children that died in there that it, it absolutely sucks um but yeah i mean yeah it, it sucks there's nothing else uh really more that um can be said or we could say it but uh we'll yeah it's it just sucks and then um i do have some other baseball news i got something on vince scully so remind me of that but but yeah um and we'll get to the world series here in just a moment, but the college football playoff rankings, I, there's really no easy transition to get out of uh, the passing of, of Roy Holiday and um, and what happened in Texas, but we will try and transition. Uh, we transition now fully to uh, college football, or to the college football playoff rankings unveiled Tuesday night. No change to the top four. Uh, it is still Georgia at one, Alabama at two. Clemson at, uh, or Notre Dame at three, Clemson at four. So before we get to who just missed out, any problem with the committee keeping the same four teams the, uh, the same? No, they all won. Um, games really weren't all that close. Two touchdown margins for Georgia and LSU. So, yeah, um, top, top three. Top three should stay the same. Yep, no problem with that. And then, uh, I think a lot of people, after Oklahoma's big win over Oklahoma State in Stillwater on Saturday, 62-52, uh, which it sounds like a basketball score more. I'll be curious to see if, if the Pokes and the Sooners can get to a 62-52 game here when uh, Big 12 uh, conference play rolls this around. Virginia, this is a Virginia and Wisconsin. Okay. Well, yeah. When, when will they ever play in the ACC uh, Big 10 or did they play this Hopefully year? Hopefully never. Well, Hopefully we, never. We that's what I hope. Certainly hope not. But uh, inev- that's a that's a game that I unfortunately it'll be like a train uh, train wreck or a car crash. You're just gonna have to. You don't want to see it, but you can't take your eyes off of it. I feel, but. Uh, no, I don't want to see it at all. Okay. Um, but anyway, Oklahoma is at five, and then a lot of people thought after Miami's big win over Virginia Tech. Saturday night that maybe they would vault up uh, to the sixth spot and then you know we'll see where Wisconsin goes because it was a terrible weekend for the Big Ten overall in college football but no lo and behold TCU is at six Miami is at seven so I think I mean it's really not a huge deal at the end of the day because it'll be it'll be decided this week really if TCU or Oklahoma is going to make it because they play one another and Miami plays Notre Dame so I mean that's an we have two elimination games coming up this week, but I think there was some surprise that TCU was at six and instead of Miami. Were you at all surprised about that? 
Um, yeah, like you said, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, what, TC's one of the losses to Iowa State, which, I mean, it's not a bad loss, but you know, I don't think Iowa State's going to finish ranked. So it's not a team you got to win. Again, but like we said, Miami hasn't beat anybody, and this was their best win of the year. So, um, I mean, they won. I, I do like that they're keeping Miami and Wisconsin at 7 and 8, and just because they're undefeated doesn't automatically mean that that they're, uh, you know, in, in that top five. So i like to see that. Um, but yeah, Miami, um, they'll have more than ample opportunity here. Uh, again, this week, they, they knock off Notre Dame. Uh, I would say Miami should probably be in that top four next week. Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. And like I said, you have five versus six, and now you'll have three versus seven, and essentially two elimination games. So it is it's going to be very um, it's going to be an entertaining week of college football here. And I'm just kind of thinking, you know, I, I think if Miami goes undefeated, of course, they're in the college football playoff. And yes. I, and if Notre Dame stays undefeated, if they, if they win out, they're in the college, they're in the college football playoff. I don't think there's any way that they, that they don't get in. But then, yep. you, then you get into what uh, Wisconsin AD Barry Alvarez said about, oh, well, Wisconsin being undefeated, you know, I, you know, they should probably get, you know, we should probably get in. I've never heard of a Power 5 team go undefeated and, and not get in the college football playoff. That seems unheard of. But it, let's say Miami and Notre, uh, like Miami wins, or hell, Clemson, if they go, if they stay undefeated here. And, Whoever wins will. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess Notre Dame or Miami. Let, let's just let's just say with with Notre Dame, and then Clemson wins the ACC, so they get in. And let's say that the winner of Oklahoma TCU, they only have one loss, and they win the Big Twelve championship game. Then you have let let's say Georgia and Alabama are still undefeated heading into the SEC championship game and it turns out to be a 27-24 game or 31-24. Not getting it. Right. I mean there's so for Barry Alvarez to say, I think he's trying to just get Wisconsin's name in there but they the fact of the matter is they haven't beaten anyone with Ohio State and Penn State losing this last weekend. Whoever they play in the Big Ten championship game, heck, even if it's even if it's Michigan State, they already have two losses. So that's not it's not nearly going to be as good as what we had perhaps thought it would be at the beginning of the season. So I just if that plays out the way that I've just laid it out, as I don't see there being any way that Wisconsin gets in. You you can't tell me that an undefeated Wisconsin team is better than a one loss Georgia or Alabama team that loses by one possession in the SEC championship game against, you know, the the other top-ranked team in the country. You just can't. There, there, there's no argument there. I uh, know. You, you know, said, uh, Alvarez said it's unprecedented, you know, in the three years of the playoff for a, you know, that uh, undefeated team to get in. And I've always thought that, uh, and Charlie has as well, I think, that if you go undefeated in a Power Five, you're going to get in. Uh, but I believe it's also probably unprecedented that Wisconsin goes throughout the entire regular season and they don't play one ranked team. I mean, that's incredible how you can be in a Power 5 conference like Wisconsin is and go undefeated like they would, and they wouldn't play a single team that's ranked. So because of that, again, we've, we've compared in the last few weeks to to Central Florida. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, they're not getting in over these one-loss teams. Uh, they're just not because the four best teams is Wisconsin, one of the four best teams uh, in, in football. Right now, no. In a month from now, we'll see, but I would guess no. And Alabama still has to take on Auburn. I mean, Auburn is still well in, in control of their own destiny because they play Georgia this week. They play Alabama. And then let's say, uh, would they be able to play Georgia again in the SEC championship game or would Alabama have to lose one other game in, in between there? I don't think they would. I think, uh, I think it... I no, th- Auburn, Auburn's lost once. Right. Uh, Auburn's lost to, uh, to Clemson. And they've also lost in conference like to LSU. Yep. So uh, they only have one conference loss. Right. So they yeah, would. The Auburn, Auburn, Alabama winner uh, should win that league. Yep. So there's a, a there's a perfectly good chance that Auburn could be a two loss team in the college football playoff discussion. I don't know if they would necessarily jump a Wisconsin team, but that's certainly in there. They're all the way up to ten. I surprised they were up to ten. They were for 14. I don't know how they got up to 10. Do, well, do you think they're the best two-loss team out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. What was it? Did I tell you what was it? The, uh, yeah, I think, they, I think, you know, if they went out, they're making the playoffs. Um, so that's, yeah, that's that's what it comes down to with them. Went out, beat Georgia twice, and take down take down Alabama. All those games are at home mm-hmm. or on a neutral field, so they've got a good chance to do that. I think they're going to beat Georgia this week. And Washington is at nine, so I'll kind of ask the same question that I did with Wisconsin. Washington does have the one loss, but let's say they went out. They got a big game against Stanford this week, but Stanford's lost three times, so that uh, that game loses a bit of momentum here. And you know, you have the Apple Cup with Washington State, but Washington State hasn't been quite as good here lately. Uh, but let's say you know Washington can beat Stanford, Washington State, and then. Uh, likely USC, though Arizona could make a push, I guess, in the South. Does Washington have a shot? Would they, at, would they at the very least, jump over Wisconsin? How, wh- how do you handicap Washington's chances here of making the college football playoff should they win out? Yeah, they need some help as well, but at least they would have good wins against USC, against Washington State. Uh, against Stanford. At least they will have beaten some teams. Wisconsin will have beaten no teams. They will have beaten uh, a Michigan team that still, for whatever reason, can't get ranked. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, if everything goes, everything's not going to go as planned, but if it does, I don't see how Wisconsin's any higher than six. Well, Washington's probably the last team out. So, surely there's going to be some moving and, and shaking here over the next couple of weeks. Um, and, Obviously, after you know the the championship week is is played, but it's it's certainly fun to to look at it here. And do uh, you want to? We'll go back to college football, kind of talk about the the week that was. Let's switch back to uh, the World Series. We're just going to kind of flip all over the place here this week. Uh, World Series is complete. The Astros won. The Sports Illustrated prophecy has been completed. And got to tell you. It, you, you've said that this was the best World Series that you've ever seen, and it's hard to argue with you, especially with Games 2 and 5 being all-time classics. Um, do you say that, and I think you had said that Game 5 was the best game you've ever seen? Uh, is Would you put that in the realm? Do you think, if you watched a replay of Game 7, 91 World Series, Braves, Twins, 
the Jack Morris game. one nothing Twins win. If you watch that again and it just compare, because that's a obviously that's a pitcher's duel versus runs galore in this Astro in this thirteen twelve Astros win over the Dodgers. But would you say that that ninety one World Series game was probably better than Game Five? If you could watch both of them back to back, I'd probably say yeah because Twins are involved in it. Okay, take take the um, fandom aside. Out aside, because yeah. um, you said yeah, this, was, this was just the best game that you've ever seen. But yes. I mean, is this the best World Series game of all time? I would, I would probably lean towards no, but it's got to be top five at least within the last. Oh, shall we say, you know, since nineteen eighties, nineteen ninety, since nineteen oh three, nineteen oh three. There we go. Yeah, that's it's 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 a it's an all time great game. No matter what way you slice it, it, it was it was a great. I mean, we haven't seen anything like that where one team uh, comes from behind like Houston did, and then the Dodgers uh, end it uh, or extended in the ninth like they do. And Phillies Blue Jays game in '93, which was Joe well, Carter. No, no, no. Like fifteen eleven. This was oh, earlier okay. in the series, like a fifteen eleven game. There were multiple comebacks, but there were no there was no scoring in the eighth or ninth any of that game. Uh, yeah, Twins World Series '91 is probably the best because uh, every game was close, and uh, some extra inning games in there as well. Then you look at Game Two and Game Five of uh, this series: extra innings, late home runs, uh, home runs in the ninth inning to to tie games or hits in the ninth inning to tie games in the World Series do not happen very often. No, they do not. Uh, extra innings extra inning home runs in the World Series do not happen very often and there were multiple of those instances in the well there were probably a half dozen home runs in the extra innings yeah. in this World Series so yeah. it was as good as a series as I've ever seen in, in whatever sport you want to talk about mm-hmm. um, it was great I'm glad I'm glad our Houston squad won yep. uh, we got Clemson and Houston in the same year uh, I think that'll that'll do it for me That's I, I'm good I'm good. Clemson won, and uh, and and the Astros won. I'm good. As like I said, this was an all-time great World Series. Maybe the best World Series that we've seen, and it's certainly up there in the discussion. Not just the games, but the overall series. However, Game Seven kind of lackluster. Houston gets out to a four or to a five nothing lead. They, I mean, they read you Darvish like a book. He was kind of tipping his pitches from what it it sounded like, or you know what. Uh, who is it? Uh, I, I can't. Uh, Eduardo Perez on um, uh, on uh, on ESPN. He was saying that it, it looked like it was. He was able to tell that just from the telecast or from the game cast. So obviously the the Astros couldn't. Why couldn't the Dodgers necessarily? All, regardless, the Astros get five runs early, and then Clayton Kershaw comes in, pitches four or five shutout innings. I think it was four. Uh, so there's questions raised about, oh, why didn't Kershaw start? And I, I shoved that aside because you Darvish had been playing light or pitching lights out, you know, recently uh, up at, up until the World Series. So I, I'm not gonna second guess Dave Roberts there necessarily. But overall, the game, the Dodgers lose five to one. It just it it wasn't nearly as good as say games two or five. No, that's fine. Game seven wasn't. Well, as good as the other six, 
Oh, you probably got to pull Darvish a little earlier than they did. Five nothing. Once it's three nothing, you can you can take them out. I mean, because uh, yeah, Houston didn't. Uh, Houston uh, what one run? Charlie Morton was great. Yes, uh, fantastic outing from him. Um, colors, he was okay. A little wild, hit some folks, but the way the bullpen worked, the way the starters worked in reliever uh, reliever roles, uh, was great for uh, for Houston. And um, maybe uh, maybe take him out when it's three to nothing instead of five nothing. Springer hits the home run. Uh, was say yeah, second inning. Springer hits the home run, and five nothing. You were out. You were just. I'm sure you know, people were watching about the uh, sixth inning is when the Dodgers would usually turn it on, and they got many guys on base. Dodgers had numerous chances to. You know, they had ten, twelve guys they left on base. Many chances to uh, to get back into this one, but they couldn't. So. Uh, I was waiting for the Dodgers to make a run, but it never happened. And uh, the, the Dodgers essentially had Houston Astros syndrome because the Astros left plenty of players on base uh, throughout the World Series. So, I mean, people could say, oh, the Dodgers could have won. Well, you could say the same thing about any chance that the Astros had early on in the series. I mean, what, there was one game, was it the, man, was it game two? They had nine of, like, the first batter got on base in nine of the 11 innings, I think. Mm. I mean, that's just staggering, and they yet it took them till the 11th to uh, to, to win the game just because they, they couldn't get them in. And so it's it's fascinating there. What did you think of the on-field proposal in the post-game ceremony for Carlos Correa and uh, his girlfriend? How disrespectful to take a knee like that after the World Series. No, it was very good. It was fine. Uh, just disrespecting the troops. That was a good deal. I'm sure. I'm sure she was surprised. Uh, good for him. Luckily, they won the damn game. So that was good for him. So, uh, yep, we uh, we remember that stuff. Yep. Uh, running back for Boise State, and we uh, Ian Johnson. We had good good moments. Good moments, and this adds to the this uh, Houston story. And then Justin Verlander skips the victory parade. To go marry Kate Upton in Italy, uh, that poor guy. Uh, what a what a terrible forty eight hours he had. Yep, I would do the same thing. And uh, yeah, living large, <laughs> Jay Verlander, living large. It, unfortunately, in all of this here, yes, the the city of Houston for what they've been through, you know, with Harvey and and everything like that. It was great to see the Astros win this World Series, but then. It comes with a price because Deshaun Watson, our favorite quarterback from Clemson, tears his ACL. So on the you know on the Houston Chronicle sports page, the first half is oh yes, and here's a picture of the Astros coming off the plane with the World Series championship, and at the bottom half it says oh no, Deshaun Watson you know you know picture of Deshaun Watson and he's out with a torn ACL. I mean so two words. Uh, two-word phrase uh, or headline in each section there, absolutely brilliant, and you didn't need to say anything more. Yeah, but the 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 i the irony, the juxtaposition. I don't know how you want to quite put it, but it, it's it's fascinating how you could go from such a high feeling to such a low feeling in a matter of hours. Sucks for him because he was he was exciting. Um... They're not the most efficient, but he was putting up lots of touchdowns and lots of yards, and Houston was winning games, and they were a fun team to watch, apparently. But, 
I, I, I would uh, I would uh, have my favorite quarterback break his leg. Like my favorite quarterback is already broken his fucking leg, and uh, for my baseball team to win a World Series. So, um, yeah, with the uh, with the Houston thing, uh, Bill O'Brien said that you know Kaepernick's been out of the game for a while, and then uh, Houston signs a quarterback that hasn't played in the league in numerous years. So, Josh Jackson, you know. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, Kaepernick wins his, wins his grievance against the NFL because pretty clear what's going on. Doesn't take a genius. We've talked about it many times. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? And um, hopefully, hopefully, they find enough evidence to uh, to get those in charge. There's not going to be any penalties. But um, apparently, you know. the league has reached out to him. Uh, Troy Vincent had sent Colin Kaepernick a text and is waiting for word back on having a one-on-one meeting with Roger Goodell. I don't know if this is one of those meetings where you try and say, hey, well, you know, why don't you get this stuff aside and we'll see what we can do. I mean, I'm sure the NFL with you know with all the ratings declines and this anthem controversy, they want this resolved as quickly as possible, but Kaepernick's going to be right about choosing it. And I've read an interesting article on PFT, uh, the Football Bible, uh, Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, I believe, wrote it. It was Mike Florio or Michael David Smith, but I'm pretty sure it was Florio saying that the Browns should sign Kaepernick because that would help them uh, not only win a game or two because you don't want to go 1-31 and in two years, which it, uh, is looking fairly likely that the Browns are going to do, but also it would prevent Houston from taking Kaepernick and winning some games and because Cleveland owns Houston's first and second round pick in next year's draft, it would mean that Houston would continue to to decline, and you're probably looking at two top five picks in next year's draft, which would be quite unprecedented. Can somebody tell Mike Florio that Houston's not signing Kaepernick, nor is any other team? No, it, 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 well, he's saying well, that the, he's saying the Browns should sign Kaepernick to prevent Houston from doing it. They should sign him because he would make the Browns better. Well, that I mean, that's yeah. I and we're we're in agreement here, but it would also yeah, prevent Houston you know, from doing it. I mean, Houston's not doing nothing, so they're not. I mean, yeah, and nobody's gonna sign them. But uh, I mean, Houston should. I mean, uh, Tom Savage, quality player, as we as uh, the stats bear out, just a quality player. Uh, yeah, yeah. How these white guys get. Uh, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. There's a good the Twitter account out there, awful white quarterbacks. Just a guy just going to town on how these awful white quarterbacks get a chance and how um, African-American quarterbacks, not, not as much of a chance. Hey, so. they, the, the Texans did sign Josh Jackson on oh, Tuesday good. so and released Matt McGloin. So, so there you have it. Uh, in, but interest, I did tweet out on uh, Sunday during the, the Colts' Uh, Texans game that I hoped Tom Savage's agent was watching closely as to why uh, Savage got yanked after the first half of the first game of the year uh, against the Jaguars because his client is quite awful at football. Um, I'm sure Tom Savage will be in the league for at least five more years. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably as a backup, no less. Um Okay, let's just keep going on this on this quarterback train here. It sounds like Teddy Bridgewater is going to be activated to the Vikings 53-man roster. Sam Bradford, possible designation for IR. 
Vikings haven't made a Why firm... Why did Bradford play against Pittsburgh in week two? Why didn't he try to play stack in week two against Pittsburgh? You got to win this game even though he played a half the rest of the year and he's not going to play again maybe ever. Yeah. Why didn't he play? Uh, I think I recall that uh, discussion that we had, and I think you and I were in agreement on this, weren't we? I believe he didn't play because he was fucking injured. That's why he didn't play. <laughs> there you go. Very difficult to get through this uh, through the skull of some folks. Yes. But uh, if a guy was healthy, he'd play. That's what Teddy Bridgewater is going to play because he's healthy. Sam Bradford not playing because he's not healthy. So Bradford's going to be designated for IR. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be backing up Case Keenum at least for now. I believe that is the right decision uh, because Keenum has given the Vikings no reason to yank him. And I would hope that they don't have a quick hook on him, but I I fear that, that that could happen. I guess if you're looking at it, though, when is the best time to start Teddy Bridgewater? Is it against the six and two Rams in two weeks? I don't think so. Uh, then you have three straight road games. So if you, if Keenum struggles here, if the Vikings, let's say they're seven and five, eight and four, is that reason? If, if they're seven and five, yes, then then Teddy goes in for that uh, game against Cincinnati in Week 15. But if they're eight and four, is that reason the Yank case Keenum? I don't necessarily think so. Um, I would start on this week. Um, case Keenum's done fine. Uh, Bridgewater's got to play. You got to see. Uh, got to see what he's doing. I mean, you know, Case Keenum's done fine, but I'm putting Bridgewater out there. I don't think Case Keenum's. He hasn't cost him any games, but I see the reason why they've won. I don't know. Defense. I mean, defense is why they've won these games. So I think Teddy Bridgewater can do just as well as Case Keenum can. I would also like to point out, too, that the Vikings schedule is going to get a little bit more difficult here against teams that can put up points, such as Washington and the Rams. So that defense is going to be tested more than they were in the first half against of the season against the likes of the Browns and the Ravens and the turnover-prone Buccaneers and the, and the, the Rogerless Packers and the, Trubisky, um. the Trubisky-led Bears. I think it's the best defense in the league. I agree. I'll play, I'll play all of those teams. I'll play any of those teams. And uh, the defense shows up to win. If they don't, then they won't. So yeah, hopefully, will. hopefully Trey Waynes doesn't get beat uh, very often. That that would be nice to long see. As long as J.B. Peterson's not his dad, he should be fine. <laughs> Peterson, by the way, 159 yards against the 49ers for whatever that's worth. Uh, but he does have two 100-plus-yard games in Arizona. So he probably should have been there all along uh, and not with New Orleans. But Give him the ball 100 times. Yeah. Because as Bruce Arian says, the ball's not very heavy. That's that's a good point. Uh, just just one one final note here on all this. I, I don't – and I, I, I debated whether or not to bring this up, but I am very di- – I am disappointed in Vin Scully – and I don't know if you saw this or not, but he said that he is not going to watch an NFL game ever again because of the anthem, it, the, the, the anthem in the NFL. And I would have hoped Vince Scully would, would be able to understand the broader picture here. Uh, so I guess... It, it doesn't really. It doesn't take away from his stellar career or everything, but 
Um, I, I, I'm a little disappointed in him in taking this stance. Vince Tilly's another guy, Adam to the list of guys that apparently don't know what is being protested here. They're not protesting the flag. They're not protesting the anthem. They are protesting black people being shot and killed by police and racial injustices. As I've said, I don't know. It feels like for five goddamn years on this podcast, I've said the same thing every goddamn week. And then every week, somebody else comes out and says, oh, they're protesting the anthem. So, uh, again, this is very difficult to... Uh, Comprehend? Get through yeah, it was very difficult for them to comprehend. Old white guy, Ben Scully, one of the 20s. I don't know. What do you expect? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a shame. You'd think he'd be better than that, but, um, you know. He was born closer to Lincoln's assassination than, than today. And so, and John Wilkes Booth assassination, too. That's right. It's uh, he, he, he goes way, way back. So, that's what you would expect from a 90-year-old white guy. And, um... Like Mike Ditka says, what what racial injustices have happened? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor, poor Ditka. Uh, that's that that does not make him look good at all. Probably why he hasn't been on uh, the radio uh, lately, or that at least we haven't heard his comments. So hopefully, this whole situation comes to a head here soon with uh, with Kaepernick's collusion case and whatnot. But. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, anything else baseball related? I know we touched on um, you know, like you're excited about uh, the, the the free agency period, but anything else that uh, that we need to recap here, uh, either from the World Series or just looking ahead to the off season that you're excited about? Longtime Twins bullpen coach uh, Rick Stolmazek. He died. Uh, he was 69 years old, cancer of some sort, so he's around for. 32 years, I think his last year may have been, I don't know, 2010 or 2009. Um, but he, had, uh, he had cancer, he passed away, Rick Stelmazek. Uh, twins are starting to move some pieces. Got Chris Jimenez, um, he's a free agent, he can come back, but they opt not to keep him. Uh, Michael Tonkin, they sold to a Japanese team, so that's good. Opening up spots on the 40-man roster. And... Uh, Couple other guys that they've moved, <laughs> they've moved, and uh, it's all about the pitchers. Get some, uh, get some starting pitchers and some relievers. Many out there. Get, uh, get any of them. Get all of them, and uh, hopefully, they're aggressive. So, um, switching, I guess now to the NBA. It's your weekly uh, time to panic segment. Here for the Cleveland Cavaliers because I, I yes early in the season they're four and six so everything should be fine but until I see the Cavaliers really start to turn it on especially with the likes of Boston winning you know nine straight I mean they're nine and two as of the recording of this podcast Detroit is playing really well oh my I mean I don't know if Detroit can keep this up uh, Orlando certainly can't keep this up they're six and four but. Uh, it it is Orlando not. Orlando lost to the Bulls. Orlando lost at home to the Bulls. That that's not good. Oh, Orlando. That, no. That's not good. But Atlanta went to Cleveland and beat the Cavs. Atlanta had one win at the time. They were on an eight-game losing streak. I get that Isaiah Thomas isn't there, and I get that the regular season means next to nothing, uh, essentially, to the Cavs. It's all about the playoffs. But at some point, you need to care a little bit because. 
if you don't put something together here soon, you might fall back and. Soon. Well, I mean, with, how about within the next? How about within? I just want to see. I want to see what they can do. I get that. You know what? LeBron had a had a stellar night Friday night against Washington. Uh, he, he was absolutely great. But where's the rest of his freaking team? I mean, they are doing jack right now. Kevin Love's good. I mean, the team there's not a whole lot there. I mean, bunch of old guys. The they're winning the division. I mean, this is not a good division. You got the Bulls. You got the Pacers. You got Detroit. The Bucks. Don't forget the Bucks. The Bucks are have a worse record than Cleveland. They're four and five. They're four and five. They're half game better, and they just Cleveland, got Cleveland. Cleveland's going to beat Milwaukee in about a half hour. So Cleveland's going to be five and six. Milwaukee's going to be four and six. Um, I mean. Cleveland's winning the East. I mean, Boston, I mean, I'm very much looking forward to, the first time in a while, Boston-Cleveland. That would be kind of like uh, Indiana-Miami. It's like, all right, one team in the East can challenge LeBron. That's Indiana. Now we'll see what, what Boston can do. They've won, they've won eight in a row. Uh, they barely beat Atlanta the other night. I think they beat them by three. Uh, Kyrie Irving's doing really good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Cleveland... It's Cleveland and Boston. That's this will be your your Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, this this is just what it's going to be. Um, what that's, that's that's what it is. That's what what it is. What does the trade of Eric Bledsoe from Phoenix to Milwaukee do? Uh, Milwaukee gives up Greg Monroe and a protected 2018 first round and second round pick. Uh, I mean, obviously. He's a, he certainly will help at the point guard position. Bledsoe's a pretty decent player, but how does this transcend Milwaukee here uh, for this year and, and maybe for future years? Takes the ball out of kind uh, of Kupo's hands, and he's uh, Greek freak. He's probably your he's your MVP ten games into the season. He's he's had a couple of plays. This is Cleveland Milwaukee game that I'm watching now. This is this is pristine. This is pristine basketball. Both teams may score. 120 points. So this is very good. I hope you got the over on this game. I did. Um, yeah, Bledsoe can put up uh, 20 points. And uh, you know, Milwaukee, they, they could use they could use another score. There's really not a a number two option on this team. So um, Milwaukee's a fun fun team to watch, uh, but I don't think they're gonna you know you know do any real damage as far as playoffs are concerned. Can they win a playoff series? Are they gonna be like the sixth seed? Um, you know they they need some help for uh, for the Greek freak and uh, he's he's been amazing to watch. He's really uh, this is this is quite the jump from he, he has uh, steadily and this is a huge jump. I mean, but and he was in the same draft class as Nate Walters, who uh, no longer with him. Uh, uh, just just pointing that out there uh, that they they were drafted together. But I mean, so you don't really think that the the trade for Eric Bledsoe does anything really to help the Bucks' chances? I, I don't think so, no. Okay. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a guy that can, you know, get you 20 points. Uh, that'll be the number two point option. But, um, you know, eh. I mean, fine. look at that. You got old Jason Terry still there. He, I mean, he, that doesn't do anything for me. Thon Maker, uh, he's a, nope. he, he's, oh, he's fine. John Henson, we'll see about that. Matthew Delavadova, get excited about Matthew Delavadova. How about our favorite, our, you know, our favorite college basketball team, the University of Virginia, Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon played really well last year. Um, so 
for whatever that's worth, he seems to have picked it up a little bit here in the NBA. I, I just think Bledsoe can do – he can help this team. I don't know if he can necessarily necessarily win the division, but I've picked, I think, the Bucks to be a five seed at the beginning of the year. Um, and I, I certainly think they could be up as high as a as high as a three, no lower nah, than a. Nah, a nah, 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 nah. Well, that's why like it would either be them or Washington, uh, but I will I will take Washington over over Milwaukee. We got Chris Middleton, who's a guy who's their probably number two scoring option sure. now. Jabari um, Parker. Yeah, he's hopefully he can play again sometime. The glove son. Sure. There you go. He'll uh, wipe up the bench and hand out the water cups. <laughs> I mean, you've got Boston. You've got uh, Washington. Washington's a fun little team, too. Yes. So those are kind of your three teams in the mix, Boston, Washington, Cleveland. Uh, then after that, you got, like, Toronto. Uh, hopefully Detroit can, can keep this up. A lot of people like Milwaukee. Uh, Pacers. Pacers doing okay. Um, a lot of – I think the East is going to be – I, mean, I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the East in in the mix when, when it comes to the end of the year because right now it only looks like the Bulls, the Hawks, and the Nets, and even the Nets say they're four and six. There's like those are the three worst teams, and I mean it's conceivable that every other team besides those three can make the playoffs. Yep. And the Knicks, the Knicks aren't terrible. The Knicks, the Knicks are keeping their keeping their own. Is but, that because Phil Jackson's not running them? How much credit does he get for putting the roster together? Well, maybe he should. I, he, I mean, nobody's going to give him credit because he's not there, but, I mean. I, I, hey, I mean, he's the one who drafted Porzingis. He got Porzingis. Um, they traded uh, Carmelo soon after. They didn't get a bunch for him, but uh, Porzingis, he looks like a star. So, the East, I'm, I'm, uh, I watched I watched some basketball. I saw the Warriors and uh, or the, the Warriors <laughs> played last night the Miami. Uh, then I'm watching this Cleveland Bucks game, which uh, probably been like a you know three four point game the whole time. Cleveland's probably going to win. Um, that's been a great game. You got college basketball on Friday, so it's uh, it's been good thus far. I mean, you've uh, you've mentioned these teams that are disappointing. Nobody though is talking about Oklahoma City, and uh, they're in last place right now. You talk about it. I mean, look at the Timberwolves seven and three. But you're right. Uh, everyone was so geeked out about Oklahoma City. You know, the 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 big three after their win over the Knicks in the game one. Ooh, big deal. Yeah. You're right. They've fallen on some tough times. I think the West. The West is looking uh, pretty stiff. Yep. You got Houston, Memphis, Spurs. Yeah, Golden State. Houston or Memphis? Uh, excuse me. Come on now. Um, yeah, Timberwolves, as long as Jim Butler's alive, Timberwolves, 7-3. Uh, Portland, I really like Portland. Damian Lillard uh, hit a pretty great game winner on Thursday night. Against the Lakers, yep. A lot of things to like here in the West. Lakers are 5-5. Five and five. Um, yeah, Outside of them, I mean, the Kings have been a big disappointment, but you look at the, uh, similar to the East, you look at the West, you can count out Dallas, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Everybody else so far, I think, got a chance. So, basketball. Uh, do we want to save the college basketball preview for next week? Sure. Okay. Uh, you, you, there, there are some guys, you look at their stats. Um, 
doing what Blake Griffin is doing, he's averaging like five or six three-point shots a game, which is more than double of what he's normally doing. You look at Ricky Rubio, he's uh, shooting a lot more, shooting a lot more threes, and he's putting up 17 a game. Ricky Rubio putting up 17 a game, where he averages 10 for his career. So there's certain guys here early on. We'll see how long they keep this up, but... Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, he's shooting a, a boatload of threes. Just all of these guys that make uh, big, big improvements. You got Andre Drummond shooting 75% from the line, which is good to see. After what, shooting probably 40 for his career. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no excuse not to be a competent free throw shooter. There's just no excuse for it. Uh- just a couple notes on college basketball. We will get our uh, we'll sub- we'll give our final fours next uh, predictions next week. Maybe go uh, take a look at some of these conferences. But uh, I'm just looking here on ESPN.com. Uh, final four national champions. They've already they've submitted them all. Um, uh, yes, and I didn't know Tom Crean was an ESPN analyst. It makes perfect sense. But why the hell is Tom Crean not coaching somewhere? Because Indiana fired him. Well, I know that, but I, I mean, say there's got to be some place that he can go. Yeah, good coach. Does well. I mean, yeah, we'll see. And he needs a year off. Coach a long time. We'll I am. See. There are some surprising teams that they're putting on here. Um, but I am. Where are you at? Where are you at? I'm, I'm on ESPN.com on the college basketball page, and they have uh, it's ESPN predictions, Final Four, National Title, and more. Okay. There we go. I'll click on this. Okay. Um, I've got a, I don't know, my uh, mid-major team that I like this year. Mid-major, um, okay. Um, i got I got to look, uh, is look it... more in depth. Yeah, I'll give it up here. Um, as far as what I mean, I'll, I'll read up more on this here uh, this week and get prepared and watch some games this weekend. College basketball um, tips off Friday. Can't wait. Uh, me and little baby Stacking are going to be watching a lot of college basketball and, good, and Winter good. Olympics this year. We're going to start the, the kid off right. Is he or she going to be in the Stackett Bracket Challenge? <laughs> um, um, I will, yeah, I don't know how we're going to decide that, though. I Like, okay, uh, like, you know, am I putting out an entire bracket and like, okay, crawl to, you know, this one, well, what, what team are you going to pick? And then, what if they pick a 16 seed? I'm going to be like, no. No, no, come on, come on, baby stacking. Can't do that. Can't do that. But however, if the kid's name is Xavier, the name we are thinking about, uh, I would hope that they would pick Xavier to win it all. But you just look at some of these. Oh, sorry. Yes. Nevada would be the team, Nevada. They were impressive last year. Are you not counting Wichita State as a mid-major since they moved to the AAC? No, I mean, people, people, are, talk, no, people are talking about them Final Four for whatever reason. So I'm sure you're back on the wagon this year. I am. Uh, I I took off a year. I'll get off. I'll get off the wagon again since you're on it again. No, no, no. There's plenty of room, Krenz. We can. Uh, oh, come on. We'll be co-pilots on this on this, uh, on this this wagon I got, here. I'm, I've got more than enough on my plate with this Xavier squad here. So, um, I mean, it's look at. I mean, these are boring ass picks. Everybody's picking Arizona, Duke, and Michigan State, and Kansas. Yeah, you see. I mean, how many times? I mean, look, you have some, you have some people picking Wichita State. Tom Crean's uh, picking yeah. Xavier to win it all. God damn right. Well, I mean, <laughs> how many times has Arizona, the Nova of the East of the West, 
have to freaking disappoint us. Yeah. We're like, yeah, maybe let's not get in on Arizona. Look Michigan what, State was very disappointing. Look what Sean uh, Farnham has picked. Look at his last team. Where is he in the bottom? Uh, no, like he's between, uh, like he's he's um, middle middle of the middle of the page. There he is below, or he is above. Uh, he's right below Lafonso Ellis. Uh, you see, like three Michigan states, and then an Arizona and a Michigan state. That uh, the Arizona is Sean Farnham, but look at his, look at the four Final Four teams he's gotten, particularly the last one. Cincinnati. What? Yeah, people like Cincinnati is like a top ten team. Dan Dockage is picking Ohio State. Like, what? What the hell is up going? And yeah, are, they they must know something that I don't. Of course, they're they're far more tuned into college basketball here. I'll give you my final four picks next week. Um, we'll 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 have the big preview in the stack. Uh, looking forward to this year again. I've, I I kind of have my four teams ready to begin the year. I I might be switching on a couple of them. But like you know, USC, a Final Four. What is? I mean, North Carolina. Yes. No, USC, not not UNC, not South oh, Carolina, US. not not oh, South no, Carolina. No. I believe it's the Trojans of Southern California. Um, I'm not even seeing North Carolina on here. Joel Berry, I think he's got a broken arm or broken hand. He had hand surgery. He's going to be missing a little bit. And Now, I was on the Wichita State Final Four bandwagon. It must be a couple of years early because there's a lot of people picking them. Um, I think I was really, really on Gonzaga last year. Yep. They did well. Yes, they, they did. Carolina. Um, well, a lot of people like you know, Michigan State for whatever reason. Oh, I, I'm all in on Michigan State this year. Miles Bridges coming back for a second year. Uh, the the Spartans going to run away with the Big Ten uh, this year. Big Ten was bad last year, if I seem to remember right. Big Ten, not good. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, Minnesota, people have Minnesota. Oh, 15th in the country here. This, uh, yeah, this, this ain't going to happen. They, they're returning all their starters, though. So they can't get... They can't get that much worse. They they should be they should be better than they were last year, and they were a, a surprise. Did you did you take them to beat Middle Tennessee? I did not. I took it one of the four brackets. I think I did. Oh the, the, God! The, see, this is where we have trouble. See, all right. One of my nineteen brackets, I took them in twelve of them. Okay, I, I took I took Middle Tennessee in the majority only because of the injuries that the Gophers had at that time and, and Middle Tennessee was playing really good. I thought they were better than a twelve seed. You just you could see the writing on the wall. I think Minnesota could be a, a three or a four seed this year. Disgusting. Duke, <laughs> I mean Duke was a pretty big disappointment last year. Um, they came on late, but they lost, you know, people uh so one gentleman we knew, they were talking undefeated. Well fuck, they lost ten goddamn games yep. for God's sakes. Well, and they still have Ted um, Cruz, his son, so that's good. That is good. Grayson Allen, well, for back. those who, who don't know he's who back. that is. Yeah. Uh, he's back for his ninth year, so it'll be fun again. So can, how many times is he going to trip somebody or keep them in the nuts? Over, <laughs> under, two and a half. Um, oh. Trip, two and a half. or I, oh, I'll take the... Between the over. two of them, like, between the two, like they obviously he's not going to do it at the same time. I'll go over. Over two and a half, okay. Yep. Let's see how many times he's suspended. Jeff Goodman um, has Texas A&M in the final four. What? 
Jeff Goodman looks like he's a chipmunk. Like he's got a goddamn bag of pistachios in his goddamn cheeks at all times. I like him, though. I like him. He came over from CBS Sports. I have a soft spot for the guys over at CBS Sports. The Matt Norlanders, the Gary Parishes. The, the... He's got a, he's got, he, he looks like he's sucking on a dozen Jolly Ranchers at the same time. That's what I feel about him. Uh, it was it was great fun seeing Duke get their ass kicked by South Carolina last year. I mean, that's, I think that, that's something that uh, is going to be easily forgotten. South Carolina made the goddamn Final Four. Yep. South Carolina made the Final Four. What the hell? That's, yeah, that's cool. Uh, so we will definitely have more of an in-depth uh, look at the at college basketball season next week. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. And of course, then that leads up, uh, you know, four months from now, less than four months to the the best show that we do all year, where we go game by game and uh, for March Madness. So that's going to be great. Uh, so in-depth college basketball preview because we won't have anything to talk about next week apart from the college football playoff and college basketball. Oh. Baseball free agency start next. Well, week. you can. I'll give you Put your. I'll give you your forty-five seconds to talk about all the all the big players. Good. No, we'll give you four minutes. Um, Vegas Vegas Knights slipping a little bit. Still, I think keep this up. Yep. Uh, sir, what is it? Thursday of next or Tuesday of next week? Tuesday of next week is Duke, Michigan State, and yep. then and Kansas, uh, Kentucky. Kansas, Kentucky. Yep. They're not doing. ESPN uh, has made some bad decisions over the years. Uh, of course, declining viewership and stuff. But to get rid of the college basketball tip-off marathon, um, I, apparently people weren't watching. I loved it. I thought it was great. It gets people in the mood for college basketball. I, I'm disappointed that it is not happening. The 24-hour thing, or the, yeah, the 24-hour uh, tip-off marathon. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean. Uh, what, there'll, there'll be plenty of games on. We don't need, you know, the, the, the 9 a.m. games from Fordham. Um, I mean, there'll, there'll, I'm sure there'll be, plenty, there'll be plenty of shitty games on FS1 we can watch. Oh, there is. Uh, let, let, I just looked at this here. Oh, well, Nichols, Nichols, Nichols State is playing yeah. Villanova on Fox Sports 1, but someone uh, St. John's is playing someone else terrible on Fox Sports 2. Uh, let's see. Where is this here? Yeah, next Tuesday that should be a fun little fun little deal with uh, four of the top five. Minnesota, the Providence with with your guy, the uh, Ed Cooley, your wife's favorite coach. <laughs> That's on FS1 at, at the prime evening of five thirty and next Monday. So get to make sure the wife's watching FS1 five thirty so she can see Ed Cooley's head. Well, we have a baby class that night, so. Uh... Uh, we'll have to DVR that one. Yeah, we'll 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 DVR it. We'll we'll DVR it for sure. Well, we might be we'll be able to see part of it at least. But anyway, college basketball. We'll we'll get much more in depth there next week. Uh, any thoughts from will, the week? Will yeah. Will Northwestern make the tournament for the second year in a row after never making it ever? I don't know. Julie Louise Dreyfus, I'm sure, is hoping they do. North Dakota State's at USC. That'll be a good top ten win for the Summer League next Monday night. Huh? Yeah, well, US, you said USD is at who? No, North Dakota State is at Southern Cal. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Good Good luck with that. Yeah, that that is not happening. Give me the points. Give me the points right now. Give me the points. What's the point spread? Or are we doing over-under? Give them, give me the points. I would imagine the points got to be 20-something. Give them, give them all to me. 
Give them all to me. Yeah. No wait. No, well, okay. Yeah, North no Dakota way. State. North Dakota State Stop plays. Uh, they, they actually play a little more up tempo here lately. Um, so yeah, that's a great. Oh, here it is. Central Connecticut State at St. John's on FS2. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Give me the under. Give me the under. Um, Florida. Nobody's talking about Florida. Always like Florida. I I I'm all I was all in on Florida. They lost, I think, one guy to the draft, but they are they are a team I am definitely considering. You like Omaha, right? You like Omaha. Omaha, Omaha. I don't know how much they got coming back from last year's very exciting team that almost got to the tournament, but they are at Louisville. I'm interested to see what the hell Louisville does here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Definitely because, uh, of course, with the scandal and everything. Uh, Mitchell Hahn comes back. If I recall, he's the big tall guy. Uh, he can knock down a three every once in a while. Um, Zach Thornhill was he? No, that uh, who was I? Think um, I'm not seeing any names here from the from like last year that uh, are coming back. They're like the big guys anyway. Uh, next Friday night, next week on Friday is SDSU in Kansas. Day after my birthday, all I ask, all I ask, SDSU, is to lose by less than 30. Well, that's going to be tough. So, how, you know what, look, I'm looking at this here. Omaha is considered the slight, wait, oh, that was 245. Never mind, never mind. I was like, Omaha should not be the favorite to win the Summit League. We'll pick that next week. We'll pick some of these other uh, boring-ass conferences and, and everything. But college basketball preview next week. Uh, any thoughts from the weekend in college football? Of course, you know, Ohio State. Oh, lots of good games. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State loses Oklahoma. The floor is yours. What did you make of the college football weekend? Uh, 2.30 window, very busy. And at Iowa thrashing of the Buckeyes. That was fun. <laughs> you had the Oklahomas put up all the points. Oklahoma's defense can't stop anybody. Neither can Oklahoma State's, apparently. <laughs> no. Uh, and you had Clemson, uh, NC State. Uh, which, you know, NC State, uh, they're a good little team. They got within, uh, they played with Notre Dame for a half. They played with Clemson the entire game. So they're, they're one of the surprising teams of the year. Um, yeah, that 2.30 window was very good. Uh, the night night games were bad. Uh, you had the Penn State, uh, Michigan State, so a three-hour delay. So that got into the mix there as well. So. So we had three or four games on at the same time that were very good, very entertaining. Uh, can't forget uh, or can't not mention uh, SDSU's pretty somewhat dominating performance against NDSU, keeping the Dakota marker in uh, in Brookings. That's great. Uh, gonna you know if Chris Strebler plays for USD this week, if he's healthy enough against North Dakota State, I'm kind of liking the Yotes over the Bison. I'll pick NDSU. They, they look a little shaky here, but that was a that was a big game. SDSU seems to be playing their best football of the year right now. Dallas Goddard is a man among boys. Uh, that that was good to see. Yeah, good to see Winnicky not doing much. Uh, Christian looks a lot better than he did uh, a month ago when people wanted him slaughtered at the hips. Uh, but yeah, this uh, the offense playing like uh, people expected them, and if they can win out. And you know they 
I would pick them to beat USD the way this offense is going. Yep. Uh, they should be a top four seed. And um, if you're a top four seed, you should get to the semifinals. You should get to the final four. Do you see, like in these rankings, they have the Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State and Central Arkansas all, uh, all ahead. I mean, that... That seems a little ludicrous to me, but what? I mean the Southland has sucked in the playoffs here over the years. Oh, I guess. I mean, Jacksonville State's a. Uh, they made the national title game what two years ago? Yeah, that's because they don't have to play anyone on their side. The OVCs, uh, you know, I've uh, my OVC experience. It's it's an okay conference, but Jacksonville State is is a very good team. I mean, they're yeah. I have, I have no problem with those teams at the top five. I mean. Those are national title contenders. Um, I'd just be curious to see how this all pans out. And again, the Missouri Valley, you, you think of it, the four teams in their Illinois State, uh, South Dakota State, USD, and North Dakota State all have to play one another the final three weeks. So the, the conference is far from uh, being decided. Uh, let me ask you about Taryn Christian here because now, uh, I, I think I mentioned this to you last year, I think the guy's got some pro potential. Potentially, I'm not saying he's, you know, going to pick be picked number two like Carson Wentz was, but I look at the size that he has. If he could just be a little more accurate with some of his passes, maybe make some better decision uh, with the ball. I think he's got the potential to be a, a pro quarterback. Don't you? I don't think he's getting drafted, or I don't even know if he's going to be on a team. You're young. You're I'm way, way more conservative with my NFL aspirations for these folks. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's not like he's not very big. Not, I mean, I don't care about it, but they do. Well, I'm mean, interested to see what he does without his top two receivers next year. That's the if key. have a good year. Yeah. See if he can... Are they making him? Is he making that? What's what's the combination there as, as far as uh, you know, who's making who here? And, uh, you know... It, 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 it does not hurt to play games on, on ESPN, uh, so if they can maybe do that a couple times here in December and get people talking about South Dakota State, uh, that would be a good thing for them. Get uh, get some national exposure here, because uh, that's, that's never happened before. Football team on... Uh, on big ESPN or ESPN2, that'd be good. The only thing I ask is that they do not get paired in on the same side as North Dakota State. Uh, I fear that's going to happen, but put USD on NDSU's side and let's see what happens. I think You know what? You're looking yeah. at potentially five, six teams from the Missouri Valley? Uh, I would get five. I mean, five teams. I think they're going to have two seeds. I think USD is going to get a home playoff game. I think the other two teams, um, like Northern Iowa and Western, uh, should probably play the first week on the road. Maybe Western gets a home playoff game. What about Illinois but State? Uh, if they Illinois, do, they I mean they have to win one of their final two games. Like Illinois State, they might lose their last two, so that yep. would be uh, difficult. Yep. Um, but you look at I mean, SNDSU can always win the national title. Uh, we're waiting for SDSU to show us that. Yep. They, they can do that. Um, I don't think anybody else is a serious title contender in the conference. Youngstown State's obviously been a huge disappointment. But um, you know, Illinois State went out around a couple of years ago. Who knows? But um, I would say two, 
two Mo Valley teams that maybe got a chance, along with all those other teams you mentioned, Central Arkansas, Jacksonville State, uh, whoever else out of the big sky. So. Uh, yeah, the, the Weber State. Weber State's looking good. Southern Utah. Never know what Northern Arizona could do. Um, and but uh, you know, of course, the big one. You got to take down James Madison, and that defense is uh, that's awfully difficult. But they had the what the uh, FCS playoff rankings. Yes. Yes. That was yeah. That was on what was it? Wednesday. That was on. That was on a halftime of some game, and goddamn, did they not care? It was like, all right, here it is, and they put it up there for, I don't know, 20 seconds, and all right, second half, coming up next. I mean, this was, yeah, I don't know if people thought there'd be a big thing like there was with the, well, at least a, I don't know, a, a couple minutes of, I know these guys don't know anything about this, but it would be nice to have a couple minutes of, hey, look at this, this was all right, here's your rankings, and we'll see you next week. Here's the second half of the football game. I think that I think they come out on Wednesdays. Uh, interesting that the, the you know Hero Sports. I'm just looking at something right now. They're projecting the top ten line, and they're putting North Dakota State at three, South Dakota State at five. I I, I think that's going to change here. Uh, and South Dakota would be the first, the, the top seed, not of the top eight. So. Yep. And well, Western Illinois would be right to, behind them. Again, everything with South Dakota State and the fans and everybody get mad when they got to play North Dakota State every year. But um, just win the conference outright, you shouldn't have that problem. Yep. If you do that, you're going to end up playing them at home. Yep. They tied with the conference last year, but you're going to play them at home. You've beaten them two years in a row in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Beat them in the playoffs. Beat them when it counts. Beat yep. them in the playoffs. <clears throat> and and sell out sell out a goddamn game, Jesus Christ! They didn't even sell out last. Jesus Christ! They yeah. didn't come up. They didn't come within a thousand. They didn't come within a thousand. They said it was sold out. Christ! At eighteen and change, they still had twelve hundred seats open. My God! I I wonder though how much the weather factored in because I tried to get down there twice. Uh, couldn't make it down Friday due to weather. Saturday, um, but it was good. But Friday night wasn't. Uh, and Saturday, I know there's some. Saturday was good. Yeah, but did it rain and stuff? No. No. Well, it rained up in Fargo. Oh, it didn't rain? No, it was fifties. Well, that's Low good. 50s. It was good. It's good to. It, it was... Oh yeah, it was fifty-five, I and mean, it was a perfect day. Well, that's good. Good. Well, one way or the other, Dakota Markers staying in Brookings. It's great. Um, we'll hope to get Matt Zimmer on the SDSU podcast, Sports Block Podcast, SDSU Jackrabbit Edition, later this week to break it all down. Uh, Ask Matt Zimmer, because he covered these high school football games in Sioux Falls last Friday. Yes. One was, ask him about those games, because those were very good football games. Yeah, I was, I was following him on Twitter, what was it, like 14-12, was, was that between Washington and O'Gorman? No, this Washington O'Gorman was like 42-41. No, I, I, it was just 14-12 at the time. I'm sorry, but it was between those two teams. Oh, yeah. It was, like, it was 42-41. O'Gor- uh, Washington had the ball. Two minutes left. They had their own 20. They either they muffed a punt or they tried to fake punt. Something happened. O'Gorman got the ball at the 20. Washington let them score. So Washington Smart. could get it back. And it ended up working out, and they scored with about 12 seconds left. 
Damn. In Washington. I think they won it two years in a row, looking to, for number three. Then the second game was uh, uh, Roosevelt beat Brandon Valley, uh, like, like 42-41, a similar score, in double overtime because Brandon Valley, the holder, muffed the PAT. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's devastating. Speaking of the high school football playoffs there in South Dakota, how, how is that all coming along here? What we got the When are we going to the Dome here? Is that week or two? Uh, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This Dome. week? Okay. What, what, are, what are we looking at for matchups here? Do you uh, get to go Washington cover was, any of them? No, thankfully no. I'll be, uh, no. Uh, Washington was supposed to run away with this thing, uh, but they have played two games very close, which they could have easily lost. So that's interesting. They've got some Division One guys, like Power 5 Division One guys there. Okay. I don't know what... Uh, and they've got a running back, which uh, I think SDSU should take a look at. His name is Tupac. Uh, I think Tupac would look good in Brookings. Um, so he's really good. Um, if Washington Roosevelt, I think that's what it was last year, uh, Washington should win. You've got uh, Peer and Harrisburg. That should be pretty good in Mitchell. They lost to a Harrisburg 20-7. to But Peer and Harrisburg should be a good game. Uh, you've got... Uh, some of the lower schools, Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan versus Sioux Falls Christian. Bridgewater is a five seat, so they're the lowest seed. Then uh, you have all the other one seats. Gregory, they should win. Uh, of course, Castickney, they should win. Uh, Madison, we know how good Madison is. Madison plays Charlie's alma mater, Dakota Valley. Okay. Both are 11 and 0, but Ooh. I don't expect that to be particularly close. So Madison should rule the roost right there. And then in 9B, we've got Coleman, Egan, and Sully Buttes. So it's all it's all up for grabs. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, get your tickets. Very good. You can get all that catch all that action at the Dakota Dome there down in Vermilion. Uh, what happened to yours? Uh, our West Central squad did they lose to Madison? I'm guessing. Oh, they didn't make the goddamn playoffs. Oh, bad. Oh, what? That's oh man. Yeah, they're, they're bad. I think they went they went three and six this year. Ugh. Somehow, somehow, they, and only eight teams make the playoffs, thankfully, because there doesn't need to be any more. Yep. But somehow, but somehow, they were the first team left out based on PowerPoints, despite having a porous three and six record. And uh, yeah, it's not not good. But good news is, Kent Mueller, head coach, uh, going into the Hall of Fame next year. So good for him. The one year I got to cover them with you and, and do some games on the radio, they won it all. Uh, much respect. Oh, Coach Mueller there. Uh, anything else before we say so long? It, it, enjoy the Ric Flair uh, 30 for 30. It's coming up here pretty soon. Going to be an hour and a half. Uh, very much looking forward to it. It'll be on Sports Center after. So I recommend everybody watch the Ric Flair 30 for 30. Very good. Next week, big college basketball season preview. Uh, it'll be fun. And uh, looking forward to talking that with you, my friend. It's all about the basketball. I'm it very is. excited. Yes, indeed. Have a good week. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Crins joined us here at Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time and efforts as always. Uh, yes, college basketball is here. It's great. College football playoff. You know the teams. We will get much more in-depth on the college football coming uh, talk coming up here. Charlie Hildebrand, Sioux City Journal. Good friend, kind enough to join us here with some thoughts on the college football. Uh, but, yeah, college basketball is here huge preview next year or next week and we'll uh, wrap it all up 
with uh, a look at week nine in the NFL and a preview and picks for week 10. All coming up here, Sports Block Podcast, now available on iTunes. Continuing here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate uh, you listening again to us, and I appreciate my good friend Charlie Hildebrand from the Sioux City Journal. Uh, kind enough to join us for some more college football talk, and uh, dare I say, Charlie, we will be throwing some uh, some doomsday stickers on uh, a few teams this week. I think that's fair. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Nothing interesting happened in college football this weekend. No, n- nothing. Couldn't further from the truth. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, I don't know if, if we want to go to the to the best or to the worst parts of of Saturday. Um, we, we may as well just get the worst out of the way. Uh, the worst being the Big Ten now is uh, hoping and praying that Wisconsin can somehow uh, make it to the college football playoff because that's really the only chance they have. But even that doesn't look very likely because uh, Penn State and Ohio State both lose on Saturday. Wisconsin does beat Indiana, but now if you're looking at Wisconsin winning the Big Ten outright and you know with the, winning the championship game, they would be beating a two-loss Big Ten team, which doesn't look nearly as good as, say, if either Ohio State or Penn State would have had one loss entering the game. I mean, that's true. I think it hurts the Big Ten, but I I don't think this is like a death blow. I think anyone outside of Wisconsin making it to the playoff would take true chaos. For the most part, just because things generally work themselves out, I think if Wisconsin's undefeated, they're going to get in. And I think the only question is, if they're going to be undefeated, because they have to play Iowa this next week, and after we made all the jokes, so of course they'll beat Iowa. It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they won't beat Iowa after all. Right. I, and for Penn State, they lose on a last-second field goal to Michigan State. I would put their odds of... Making it to the you know make it to the college football playoff probably a little more so than Ohio State be, because they had two losses by four points but they still wouldn't be you know taking down a, a top ten Wisconsin team in the Big Ten championship game so it just doesn't look very good overall at all for the Big Ten they by I would say they had the worst day of a, out of any conference would you agree with that I would agree with that. The problem with what you were saying about Penn State having a better chance is Penn State does not control its own destiny right. to win the division since they've lost to both Ohio State and Michigan State. Both Ohio State and Michigan State, if they win, continue to win, I know both they both lost to uh, teams from the other division. So if they win out, they will win the East. So I mean, I don't know. Michigan State maybe has the best chance of uh, of non Wisconsin teams to make the playoff now. I don't know. The bottom line, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. There might be weird things happening. I, I, I just, I I think Wisconsin, again, and if they were undefeated, I don't think Wisconsin's going to be 13-0, though. I mean, even though most of their schedule's not that tough, it's incredibly difficult to go undefeated. How, how do we explain what happened uh, in, in Iowa City with o- Ohio State and Iowa? How do we explain that? That is a really good question that I'm sort of trying to figure out so I can talk about on my own podcast that I do. Because, I mean, I don't know. If you would have told me ahead of time, like, I was going to win, like, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd, I'd be surprised, but not shocked. But I would have been like, oh, so obviously Iowa wins, you know, like 17-14, 
20 to 13, you know, some low scoring game where the defense plays really well. And it was like, yeah, they, they just whipped them. And it was like, I think I saw somewhere they're like, this is, the, this is the most points Iowa has scored in a conference game in like the last seven years. And it just so happens to be against a top 10 Ohio State team loaded with returning starters who, whether they're the best team in the Big Ten or not, I don't know. But in terms of star recruiting stuff, I mean, you know, take that for what it's worth. But in theory, is the most talented team. And I, I mean, God, they beat, they were like 20-point underdogs, and they won by 31 points. That was it was and it 51-20? to 20? Is that what? Or 51-23? I think it was 55-24 50, okay. was the final score. And like I said, if, like if you were told the Iowa would win at home, I would have been like, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I mean, before yesterday, I think Iowa had won three of their last four games against teams ranked in the top five mm-hmm. at home. So, I mean, you know, it's tough to win at Kenick, but I mean, I, just, I can't think of an example like this in recent memory of a top ten team, like, not just losing, but just getting absolutely annihilated. And by an Iowa team that, like, when you think about them, they're good, you know, defensively and fundamentally sound, but, like, they're not known for having an explosive offense. No. So. Well, in- I mean, this would... Like, this would be the equivalent, I mean, I don't know, I'm trying to think. This would be like if if LSU yesterday would have beat Alabama, like, 55 to 20, where you just sure. feel like, wait, what? <laughs> You're right. I mean, it. And what I'm looking at here, uh, Iowa has scored 156 points in conference play this year. So coming into uh, Saturday's game, they had scored 101 points in their five Big Ten games. That's just over 20 points a game, 20.2. And yet they put up 55 against Ohio State. Like, it just, it defies all logic. The one thing I'm wondering is if Ohio State's comeback against Penn State, if they exuded so much energy that they were just, I don't know, out of gas for this one. That shouldn't be an excuse at all, but it, it... is it a is it a possible you know plausible explanation? I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of grasping it, at straws here. I mean, I don't want to completely steal the plot of a mediocre early two thousands movie, but I think it was just basically kind of like the perfect storm of events that you know Ohio State in a hangover game after a really close you know emotional tough game against Penn State the week before they showed up a little flat where Iowa pounced early, mm-hmm. and then in addition to that. I think, I mean, Iowa, like, for all the things we can say about it being surprising and everything, you know, Iowa's not Rutgers and Kansas. Like, Iowa's still good. You know, they've got coaches that have been doing this for a long time and know what to do. You know, they're playing at home. They had some turnovers early to put them in the right mood or the kind of the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also that JT Barrett just played really bad. And he's just, I don't know, he's, he's a strange quarterback who, when he's on, is really good. But at times, there's ice cold. I don't know. Like, he kind of seems like the collegiate version of Chicago Bears' Rex Grossman, maybe at times. Fair. And you combine that, and I think, you know, probably, I don't know if Ohio State, like, gave up per se, but I'm sure there's a point where it's like, well, okay, we're down 28 points. We're clearly not going to win. Our offense isn't helping us out at all. That, you know, you just kind of, you know, instead of giving 100% effort, maybe you're only giving 88% effort. And I just think it was just all those things combined into one where there's three or four games like this every year where you look back at the end of the season and you're like, well, 
most things make sense, but this does not make sense at all. And I think this is just going to be one of those games this year where we're just going to be like, huh, that's right, that did happen. What was going on that day? Uh Michigan State beats Penn State. I mentioned last second field goal, but this had a lengthy rain delay. What, like, was it two hours and twenty three minutes, or over three hours? It, oh, it, it was over three hours. Over three I don't hours. Remember exactly. Yeah. It was close to three and a half hours. I yep. think. I th- so I was thinking about this. I mean, I, I never played sports class high school. I mean, never, certainly never at the level that those guys are. But I, what do you do if there's a three hour delay? I don't know. Or it's just like, oh yeah, we started, and then like you just go. Like, I don't know how you just go hang out, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll, I don't know, play cards until we go back out there. And, it's not like they can... Whatever, it ended up working out all right for Michigan State, yep. too. And, was great two years ago, was bad last year, and now is good again. And I think based off this year, we can say, if it's a bad weather game, don't pick against Michigan State, because they beat Penn State, yep. and they beat Michigan when they didn't have a single first down in the second half. Yep. Or six turnovers or whatever it is. So, you know, if you're, if you're better than the Spartans, I hope that it's a nice day. Because <laughs> if it's a bad day, somehow the Spartans are going to beat you. Well, you. They will find a way. Yeah, and you just wonder, too, like, does it increase, does it lead to injuries? I mean, all that, that's the stretching and, you know, um, you know, they, obviously they couldn't have the buffet ready for the players because the NCAA forbids you uh, giving meals to players, so... Uh, it's uh, it's just a weird, strange situation all the way around. But one way or the other, Michigan State wins. Uh, and not to keep this on Big Ten fan line here, uh, but Rutgers beat Maryland yesterday or on Saturday. Rutgers has three Big Ten wins. They're four and five. I we're seriously getting to the point here where Rutgers is near bowl eligibility. Chris Ash apparently is a pretty good coach. I mean. I'll, certainly, I don't think we're going to confuse Rutgers for a team that's really good, but they're at least not dreadful anymore. I mean, they were as bad as Kansas last year, where now, I mean, I think they've got more wins in conference this year like than they had their previous two or three years before that combined. So, I mean, for, for a team that had been the worst team in the conference probably the last two years, mm-hmm. to be able to be like, you know what, maybe we'll only be 11th best team like, I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm pandering to them, but clearly that's steps in the right direction at least. I mean, they look like they at least sort of care and are competitive at times, which, you know, as bad as they were, I mean, sometimes it takes baby steps. And they're further along than I thought they would be this year. The, Iowa is 3-3 three and three in conference. Nebraska is 3-3 three and three in conference. The only other team that is 3-3 three and three in Big Ten conference play is Rutgers. They're better than Maryland, Purdue, Minnesota, Indiana, and Illinois. Now, of course, that's not the creme de la creme of the Big Ten. But that we, I mean, we know that. But still, for Rutgers to be above that many teams, I think that that's just that's kind of staggering how well they've played uh, thus far this year. So that's just kudos to Rutgers for appearing to get back in the right direction. But the Big Ten did not have the only big games of the weekend. In Stillwater, what an absolutely bananas game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. What, 76 points in the first half or some crazy number like that? Almost 700 yards? Yeah, they guns. hit the over. The over for the game they hit in the first half, yeah. which is just crazy. And so the, uh, Oklahoma prevails 62-52. to 52. Oklahoma State had a chance late, could not complete it, uh, complete the comeback. And, yeah, Oklahoma 
Baker Mayfield and company. Baker Mayfield overcomes two early interceptions, and Oklahoma survives in Stillwater. An absolutely crazy, crazy game. Yeah, I mean, Bedlam, Bedlam, if, if you're, you know, I know before the year I do a fake college football road trip thing. Mm-hmm. If you just want to go to a game each year thinking, you know what, this game will probably be good, it'll probably be entertaining. Bedlam's a pretty good one to start with. I mean, I thought it, I didn't think it would be as high scoring as it was. I mean, I didn't think that there would be, you know, 114 combined points or whatever it is, but certainly I thought it would be high scoring. I kind of thought Oklahoma would win, but, you know, it was close, so I, I, I think it sort of went how I thought it would. I mean, I don't know if Oklahoma's defense is not very good. That's not new news, but when, when Mayfield's on, like, they can play with anybody in the in the country. That, that doesn't mean they'll beat them, but, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a boxing expert, but, you know, they talk about a guy who's always got a puncher's chance. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's offense gives them a puncher's chance against anyone. I mean, if Mayfield's on, there's just there's very little, if anything, you can do to stop him. I mean, he's essentially – he reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel in a lot of ways. That it's just – like, he, he can run – He's not lightning fast, but he's certainly not slow, and he can run for a lot of yards. But he just always buys time in the pocket. He can find extra receivers. They'll make you miss, move around, sort of look like you're going to take off and run, and he hits a receiver for a 30-yard gain. And it's a defense. That's just incredibly tough to defend, and it wears you out. And he's just, I don't know. It's, it sort of seems like, I mean, you played baseball when you were a kid, right? Yep. yep. That they've got, and, and, you know, I guess you were in a different state than me, but there's always. I played in Iowa, and it was, I think, like you were. You like when you were uh, there, there was a 10, 11, 12 year old division, mm-hmm. and, but there was a way like you could stay with eight, nine year olds when you were ten somehow, and there was always like those teams would have some kid who was ten that was just better than everyone else. Anyways, that's a long analogy and a long story. Did you say that that kind of? reminds me of Baker Mayfield, where it's just like, this guy's, he's just figured it out, and he knows what to do, and he's just better than the guys playing defense again. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, he, and he's the reason, I thought that Oklahoma would take a step back this year, you know, Lincoln Riley stepping in, and, you know, because Bob Stoops is there, not, and wasn't trying to discount Baker Mayfield, I just, you know, you thought, oh, they lose Joe Mixon and Dee Westbrook, and yeah, they, they're they're just they're going to be good, but they're probably going to lose a few games, and they still could. But right now, I would say that they have, I mean, they're certainly right there in terms of the college football playoff, and I think they're um, they're really the Big Twelve saving grace or only hope. I would, say, I mean, yes, well, I think TCU, TCU is also that that Oklahoma TCU game is going to be really interesting. Yes, yeah, and and TCU, I think it. it is right up there, but I guess I I lean more towards Oklahoma, probably more so than I do TCU. I like Oklahoma's offense better. I like TCU's defense better. Yep, yep. I I I agree with that statement. There, Clemson they survived their last probably remaining test until the ACC championship game. Uh, they beat NC State thirty eight thirty one. This was an entertaining one, and North Carolina State had the lead. Uh, for much of the first half, uh, going into the second half too, and then Clemson kind of turned it on there at the end, and they survived 38-31. So that's a big win for Clemson against an up-and-coming North Carolina State squad. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a win Clemson needed to have. And I I mean, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself because as we've seen this past weekend, that once you think you figured things out, weird stuff happens and stuff throws you for a loop. But it kind of seems like Clemson is going to be in the ACC title game with one loss playing Miami where the winner's going to probably go to the playoff as of right now. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that's sort of what it seems like. And side note on that game that Dave Doran, the NC State coach, like apparently was complaining about stuff after the game and someone on the Clemson sideline had like a laptop and he was claiming they were like cheating or something. And then it turned out it was just like the Clemson, like the guy that runs their social media page or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Just... Just to say that, I mean, you know, NC State's got a, a larger spotlight under them up till now than they had usually because they've been pretty good. Right. And, like, you want to be careful to not come off as the conspiracy theorist guy, you know, walking yep. around in pinfoil hats or whatever. Uh, Miami, I thought, had their best game of the year against Virginia Tech. I thought Virginia Tech had multiple opportunities and just couldn't prevail. Uh, that's now twice where they've been in the primetime spotlight on ABC this year and have lost and really just haven't looked they look a little overwhelmed for the situation I think Justin Fuente and and Josh Jackson they're going to be just fine over the next few years because Jackson is just a a freshman after all but uh, Miami very good in their 28-10 beat down over my Hokies yeah I mean basically starting last year with the Texas beating Notre Dame and the Texas is back now and it sort of becomes a joke and you know, are they back or are they not back? Before, I was always kind of thinking, you know, like, yeah, Miami looks good at times, but they struggle, you know, whatever. Let's see. This is the first game where they sort of truly look like the Miami teams of old, where it's just like, oh, yeah, they, they really they really look good. And if they, if they play like that, I think they're good enough to beat anybody. I don't know if they'll continue playing like that. You know, that potential Miami-Clemson ACC title game looks really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, for your Hokies' sake, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel bad for the Virginia Tech defense yep. that forced a bunch of turnovers. And, I mean, they made some mistakes, but in general looked good. But their offense did not do help them out a whole lot. And when you're, you know, giving your A effort on defense and your offense just keeps going three and out or punting or turning it over, that's got to be quite frustrating. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's not often that LSU and Alabama gets overlooked. I mean, normally that's one of the more hyped games of the weekend, but it felt like that was definitely put on the back burner t- towards the rest of the schedule. Wouldn't you agree? Alabama wins 24-10, to 10, but it was there, there just wasn't a whole lot of fanfare or flair about this game at all. Yeah, and I think I mean, part of it was because there were just a lot of other really big games still. Yes. Yep. And then the other was, I mean, we've just seen this over like the last three or four years where it's just like, I mean, it's, when it's in Baton Rouge, there's a lot of times where LSU, you know, with the night crowd can really kind of, you know, do some stuff that it seems like they can maybe, you know, I don't know, almost like there's a little voodoo magic or stuff, something like that. When they're in Tuscaloosa, though, it's just basically been like, nah, you're, you're not. You're not beating Alabama there. At least no. LSU is not. I mean, Old Miss is, I think, the only team that's done that, playing a completely different style. And, and I, I think it was, I mean, especially last year when when Alabama won 10 to nothing, but it may have well have been 56 to nothing because LSU couldn't move the ball at all. 
But I think going into the game, there was just this thought of like, well, yeah, I mean, it might be sort of close-ish, but LSU is not going to be able to score enough points. And, and then it turns out that actually, I guess, Alabama, I didn't see the game because I was at work and we had the Virginia Tech-Miami one on. Yep. But it sounded like Alabama kind of looked a little mortal at times. I mean, they still won by 14, and it mm-hmm. wasn't ever in doubt. But I think they got a couple linebackers that are hurting out for the year. And I don't know. I guess Alabama's really good. I'm not, they're clearly good enough to win the conference and win the national title. But there's something that just seems a little off compared to some of the other Alabama teams. I mean, they, yeah. they look good when they're playing, you know, Ole Miss or the teams that in their conference that aren't very good, and they boat race them. But when they're playing other good teams, and, and like I want to be careful saying this because I mean, whenever you beat a conference foe by two scores, especially you know, like LSU is probably going to win eight or nine games, so that's nothing to see that. Like, I don't want to be so critical that you're like, oh, my God, how did you not win by 30? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's something where it's like, yeah, I mean, they look good, but I don't – I mean, well, I, 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 I'm intrigued to see how they play against Georgia in the SEC title game. I am so looking forward to that game. That is going to be absolutely great. And you know what? The SEC is average at best this year, but they have the two best teams right now in college football, and I don't think that is – a a stretch to say or an argument is evidenced by the fact that the college football playoff ranking committee had them one and two, uh, Georgia one, Alabama two. Before we get to the rest of the slate, I guess just going off of that with the college football playoff ranking, when you, were you surprised that the committee, when they unveiled the ranking, had Georgia number one? And did you have any problem with the four teams, Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson, uh, in their ranking at all? So, any surprises or, or uh, concerns at all? Uh, who was it after Notre Dame at three again? I Clemson, Clemson was four. Clemson four. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I certainly don't have any problem with Georgia being one because as of now, I mean Alabama hasn't really beaten anybody. I mean, since the the rankings came out, I mean LSU now I think Alabama's best win. Now to be fair, it's not Alabama's fault that Florida State is suddenly terrible. I mean nobody could have predicted that two or three years ago. But I, I, I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting on Tuesday when the new one comes out. Since, you know, Clemson beat NC State, which is a really good win for them. But Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State, and that's also a really good win if Clemson or Oklahoma will be higher because they both look quite good. So I, I think that'll be intriguing to see. I don't think the top three is going to change at all anytime soon. Florida gets pantsed by Missouri. They lose 45-16. to uh, Fair to say that the Gators have quit on the season? Uh, it seems like it. Missouri, I think, was 0-5 in conference going into today. Uh, against, at times, the Missouri offense can sort of move the ball, but they're terrible on defense. And I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy stacking. You remember week three when Tennessee and Florida played? They were both ranked. That was a matchup between ranked opponents at the time. Yes. And look how much things have changed in two months. Oh, yeah. yeah you're right. Absolutely crazy. And, and Florida won that game on a Hail Mary. Uh, yeah, and here we were. We were like, oh, man. This is going to keep Tennessee from winning the East, maybe, with eight or nine wins. And off Florida. Florida's still gonna, and it's just now they're both really bad. Yep. Oh, yeah. And could any team this week have a worse win 
than Arkansas needing to come back and beat one win Coastal Carolina in the final minutes. I mean, they were down by two scores, and they they barely beat them 39-38. How bad of a win was this for Brett Bielema and the Razorbacks? And it's even worse because their coach, who just a quick side note on him, uh, his name's uh, Joe Moglia, I think. He was the guy who was like a CEO at TV Ameritrade or somewhere. And then in his 50s, was like, well, I don't want to do this anymore and got into coaching. Anyways, though, I'm pretty sure he has like health problems, so he's not even coaching them right now. So it's like the guy that their coach, I think, is not even there. So, I mean, this would, so I mean, like, it's a bad team. While they're their guys, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 not good, and I feel confident that Arkansas is going to have a new head coach next year. I mean, because Brett Bielema, one of his saving graces was they thought that he had that huge buyout, and then they had lawyers look at it. It's like, oh, it's actually not like fifteen million; it's only like five and a half million. So I think I, the difference, though, with Bielema versus guys like Butch Jones uh, is that. He's liked. I mean, Arkansas fans want to like Bielema, and they want to get a, you know behind the team and stuff. Especially after the whole you know Bobby Petrino scandal and whatnot. But it's just it doesn't seem like this team is making much progress. Though they are starting a freshman at quarterback. No, they seem worse. I mean, they were really bad year one because you know they had the Petrino getting fired and John L. Smith as the interim head coach for a year. Like I, I get that that you're bad year one. And then they seem to be better the next couple of years. And then, like, I don't know if they had coaching changes with assistants or what. But, you know, there was a, there was a point in time where they were, like, 8-4 and four and, you know, were losing to Alabama by 10 in games where you were like, oh, well, they, they, you know, they, they're competing and they lost. But, man, they look, they look good and tough. And, they're, I don't know, they, they don't look like that anymore. What, um, any thoughts on... Lane Kiffin and the whole point spread uh, comment that he made. Of course, he was you know joking aside, but you know the, the Florida Atlantic beats Marshall thirty to twenty five on Friday night, and I think that the safety at the end, which was the the right at the absolute right call there for for Florida Atlantic to do, um, they it, that meant Marshall covered the spread, and Lane Kiffin joked about that. Any thoughts on that at all? I mean, not really. I don't have a huge problem with it. I think, like, to, to an extent, you want to be a little careful making jokes about gambling with NCAA stuff, but I think a coach is it's easier to get away with it than a player. And I don't know. I mean, Fort Atlantic looks good this year. I think they're in first place in their division in Conference USA. Yep. And I'm going to throw something out for you, Stackin. Okay. Part of this is because... I don't want Scott Frost to go to Florida, and I want him to go to Nebraska to be the next Nebraska head coach. Don't know how high he is on Florida's candidate list. Anyways, how fun would it be, just for us, as I don't have strong thoughts on Florida either way, but how fun would it be if Lane Kiffin was the next head coach at Florida? Man, that would I be mean, fun. think of the way that Steve Spurrier made fun of Tennessee and Georgia all those years. Lane Kiffin having coached at Tennessee... I'm sure he would have no problem just constantly finding ways to try to make them cry. Oh yeah, no, I think that would be great. And I, you know, I'd also just like to throw out too, Florida International is very good as well. They have Butch Davis as their head coach. I think I don't think very many people know that. But what Florida team, 
Florida Atlantic or Florida International is the more pleasant surprise this year, I guess? That's a good question. I'd probably go... I don't know. I think I'd go Florida International. I, I'll be honest. I get the two mixed up a lot. Sure. Of which one's which. One of them was in a bowl game not too long ago, and I think that was Florida Atlantic. But like I said, I could be getting them mixed up. It's crazy when you think about it, how in Florida, everybody not named Florida or Florida State is doing fantastic in the state. Mm-hmm. But those are the teams that, I mean, especially Florida State, but also Florida teams you look at and be like, yeah, they're probably going to be pretty good, are just absolutely dreadful. While Central Florida is in the midst of possibly their best year ever, South Florida only has one loss and still controls their own destiny in the AAC. And both Florida and Florida International control their own destiny in Conference USA. Hey, look at Jacksonville State, too. They're doing great at the FCS level. Oh, they're in Alabama. Excuse me. (laughs) Um, Looking at the slate for next week, uh, Washington at Stanford on Friday night. That's a big game. I think Washington... I think I'll take Washington to win that one, especially after Stanford loses to Washington State. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I was I was on the Stanford bandwagon the rest of the season. I was, you know, I thought, oh, well, they struggled with Oregon State, but they didn't have their guy Bryce Love. But you know, after losing to Washington State, also, I think uh, I think the Pac-12 North's coming down to that Apple Cup. So I think Washington going to be Stanford. And you got a lot of great matchups next weekend. Michigan State's at Ohio State. Oklahoma State's at Iowa State. I guess that one doesn't have quite as much fanfare because it would seem that both teams are kind of out of the Iowa State well, especially. Mean, but the thing though is with all the teams that have to play each other I mean Oklahoma and TCU still have to play so one of them will have two losses. And that's so, this, that's a, so this upcoming week. Oklahoma State Iowa State is essentially an elimination game from the Big 12 championship. Mm-hmm. And and TCU plays Oklahoma uh, as well. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time. I believe that's on Fox next week. That's a huge game. I'll take Oklahoma to beat TCU straight up. I, I think that's... Uh, I, I just don't see how TCU is going to be able to slow down Oklahoma's offense. But then again, that's what I said when TCU had to go play Oklahoma State. And they somehow managed to do it. So, uh, But I will take Oklahoma in that one. I do not remember. Is it is it at Oklahoma or is it in? It is in Dallas, Norman. Yep, Washington. it's at Oklahoma. If it's at Oklahoma, I'm going to take the Sooners. I like I like how TCU basically everyone they've played, regardless of how good or bad they are on offense, is like, no, we're not going to let you score points. So I think TCU will hold Oklahoma down some, but I still think Oklahoma is going to win like 35. 31 or something like that. Notre Dame is at Miami. That's 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Uh, huge matchup, especially after what Miami did to Virginia Tech. Uh, but I, I just think Notre Dame's too strong. I think Notre Dame will give Miami their first loss. Most fun thing, the last team to beat Miami was Notre Dame last year. When Notre Dame like lost like six of their last seven, their lone win was beating the Hurricanes. Holy so, cow. So that could be fun. Um, I know Miami, or not Miami, Notre Dame, their they're running back, Josh Adams, was injured in the game. They don't know. Mm, that That's like a there's, potential there's some change. Talk of like, is this a concussion or is it not? And he'll be fine to play. If he can play, I'm going to take Notre Dame. If he doesn't play, I might take the yield. Yeah, okay. That's, that's totally fair. And then the SEC has two great matchups here, uh, pitting ranked teams against one another. Alabama's at Mississippi State. 
So we'll see what Nick Fitzgerald can do for uh, the Bulldogs at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central on ESPN. And then Georgia is at Auburn. That's 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. That would appear to be Georgia's last remaining hurdle before the SEC Championship game against Alabama, and I will take Georgia over Auburn. Even though Auburn's kind of a a Jekyll and Hyde, I think, a little bit here. Yes, they are 7-2, but I'll take Georgia in that one. I like that both Alabama and Georgia have to go on the road. I think... I think Auburn has a better chance of beating Georgia than Mississippi State beating Alabama. Agreed. I think Georgia's going to win. I mean, I don't think it's going to be like a dogfight that's decided on the final play, but I think it's going to be like like 24 to 14 in like a, a game that's entertaining and pretty close for the most part. I think it'll be an interesting game. Um. Any other thoughts from the weekend in college football or anything that you're looking forward to this next week here? Uh, Pac-12 after dark. USC ended up beating Arizona. Arizona started slow, came all the way back, tied it with, I think they tied it at 35 with about five minutes left in the game. USC scored twice late to win. The interesting thing, though, was Khalil Pate passed 1,000 rushing yards on the season. And you think about how he didn't start the first couple of games right. in a very quick time frame. He's done that. How many other quarterbacks in Pac-12 history do you think have ran for a thousand yards in a season? Hmm. Um. I'm thinking back. What you have, like Jim Drunkenmiller and John Elway and um, Andrew Luck. I will say one. Zero. That I was shocked I, and stunned I, to see. I, sh- I should have said zero. That was my in initial. I, that was my, I, I. That was my initial gut reaction. I was like, "Oh, okay, just say zero. But you just go through the list. Thought, oh, surely someone's done. It. Khalil Tate's a special player. He really is, and I think he's going to lead Arizona to some big things. I bet they challenge USC next year for the South. Yeah, I mean, it was a game with five minutes left. So yeah, I, I think when Rich Rod's got his guy at quarterback, if they're really tough to stop on offense clearly got his guy, so as long as he's there, or both both Tate and Rodriguez, they're 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 gonna be really difficult to stop. Wouldn't want to have to play that. Early proclamation is that it comes down to USC and Arizona next year in the South. Early proclamation. I think that's fair. I don't think it's gonna be Yusuf whoever UCLA hires to be their next head coach, assuming Moore gets fired, I don't think they're gonna have things turned around in year one. And I don't know. I don't I I just like I like Khalil Tate more than Utah and the other teams. I don't have a whole lot of confidence that they're going to be real good in the South next year. Before we get to bull bound or not, let's just take a couple of minutes here to uh, congratulate South Dakota State for keeping the Dakota marker in Brookings with what looks at it, by all intents and purposes was a dominating not okay dominating's a little strong, but they. They played about as well as they could against North Dakota State on Saturday, winning 33-21. to uh, There were a few sh- the questionable non-calls. I thought SDSU got away with maybe a few pass interference penalties. Uh, the folks up in Fargo certainly seemed to think that way. But overall, for South Dakota State to pants North Dakota State's defense the way they did, and for the defense, the Jackrabbit defense, to force five turnovers... I thought was incredibly well. 
this was a very good win for South Dakota State, uh, making North Dakota State seem more uh, mortal at best. Yeah, I mean, they handled them, which, you know, like we talked about last week, I thought it was going to be the reverse. We're going to be close for a half and North Dakota State is full away. Yep. You know, kudos to, to Taryn Christian and Dallas Goddard for playing so well. And yep. then, and I, I didn't see it, but I read about it afterwards, but that, uh, that last drive where South Dakota State, I think they basically ran it the whole time. And when they needed to run it, they found a way. You know, to kill the clock and run it against a vaunted North Dakota State defense. So, yep. And it's always nice when you can do that. Yep. And, and they had a. Fair or not, I say, screw you to the bison because I hate you. <laughs> I mean, and Taron Christian had a great pass to Dallas Goddard for the touchdown. He looks like he's going to run. It's like, essentially like a Tim Tebow jump pass, kind of. And Goddard, you know, just tips it, grabs it one handed, goes into the end zone. It, it was. It was great, a huge win. And plus, that was that was on the the heel of uh, of you know their punt return. Anderson, I believe, is his last name, uh, fumbling the punt, and North Dakota State scored. I was like, oh my gosh, this 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 cannot happen. Like you have this game in the bag here, and you you fumble a punt, and it just is terrible. But you look at the way the Missouri Valley Conference is now set up here. Is yeah, that's that really interesting now? Yeah, because South Dakota and Illinois State. South Dakota State and North Dakota State. They all play against each other these final three weeks. So South Dakota goes to Fargo here this week. Illinois State goes to uh, Brookings you know, this week to take on the Jacks. And then the next week, SDSU goes to Vermilion, and North Dakota State has to go to Illinois State. This is fascinating to watch out. And don't forget Northern Iowa. They've just kind of, they're playing their best football of the year, too, right now. USD this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, so the Missouri Valley is far from over, and I, I don't think it is a stretch at all to say that North Dakota State could lose their final three games in conference play, especially when they lose Lance Dunn, their, uh, one of their better running backs. Here, I, I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that they will lose their final three games. Do, will I, do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't, but... And- it, it, North to pull Dakota a, State plays USD next, right? Correct. Yep, that's this weekend. It, to pull an old and stack and add it. I know Strebler for for USD two weeks ago was hurt early, and they won easily without him, so they didn't have him play. And it sounded like he threw pretty well against Northern Iowa, but maybe he had some, some problems running. I mean, I don't know. For for the kid's sake, he hope he's healthy. If USD yep. is going to beat North Dakota State, they're they're going to need Strebler to play really really well yep. so I mean but yeah that, that could be that could be quite the game next week and then obviously it seems like other than the first year South Dakota State and USD played that basically it's, it's been a game late every single year mm-hmm. and I don't see any reason to assume it'll be any different no. this year with both teams are Incredibly highly ranked, and USD's got some off-field issues going on right now. But I, I, right, I forgot about that. I, I just yeah, look. Problematic. I just look at how this is going to go. And again, I'm not saying that North Dakota State's going to lose three in a row, but just with the way the Valley's shaping up here with these final you know few weeks and who you got to play against, I, honestly, SDSU could still win this conference, and uh, I, I'm almost saying they're going to. All it takes is North Dakota State losing one more game and SDSU has to win out. Now, that SDSU-USD game is huge, but if USD, if Strebler is you know, still hurting a little bit, 
I don't know if USD can match SDSU score for score if he's not 100%. If he's not 100%, then that changes things, and it'll be tough. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. I know, uh, now I had something I was going to say, and I already forgot it was what it was, so probably not that important. But well, if you think be, if you think of it, you could certainly... It's going to be very interesting going forward. I mean, just with all... I mean, yeah. I, it's, oh, no. Now I remember what I was going to say. It was that, I mean, you look at you look at the conference games with South Dakota State lost and how Youngstown is just basically falling off a cliff. Yep. And it would be really nice to have that Youngstown State game back right now. It would. It would. Like, um, the UNI loss is weird, but UNI always seems to do this. I mean, it feels like every year it's like, oh, well, South Dakota State should be UNI, and then they always, I don't know, UNI seems to have South Dakota State's number. Yep, but, especially on Hobo Day in Brookings. <laughs> yeah. But as we get to the game now that, uh, again, sweeping the nation, the favorite thing uh look forward to for the podcast every week during college football season, Madison and Wisconsin's all about this. Uh, can't get enough of it. Uh, who do we got? Uh, Mary in North Dakota. Iowa. Yes, yes. I mean, this is. Uh, it, it's bottom line. It's it's the game that everyone loves. So Lincoln in Nebraska is is a, a huge fan of it. So uh, we just keep Jackson in Mississippi. He, he he seems to really get a kick out of it. So we'll just keep doing it until it give the folks what they want. And I I don't know what the case was last year through ten weeks. I'd have to look back or see if, if that's, um, yeah, just look back and see what's going on. But there are only 50 bowl-eligible teams right now in college football. That number seems incredibly low to me for the uh, for the second week in November. That or I guess the, fir- the first full week in November, but it'll be the second weekend of November games. Does 50 seem a little low to you? Uh, at first glance, it does, but there's still three games left. Right. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot more teams that are still going to hit it. Where there's, I, I don't remember exactly how many bowl games there are now. There's, you know, 80 or so. <laughs> or, or, sorry, there's there's 40 or so. Well, it just so seems like 80. 80. <laughs> there's roughly 80 teams that will will play in a bowl game. That's what I meant to say. Right. So, well, so yeah, I mean, but I, you know, this, this could be a year where the... Uh, the five and seven APR teams are going to need to uh, to come into account. Also, maybe relevant. Well, actually, probably not relevant. I was just for, but if Florida State would go five and six, or Florida would go five and six, I don't know if either of them will. But I saw somewhere that they would technically be in line first over the five and seven teams because they would have fewer losses and the same amount of wins. So, well, that's lame. That's take that for what it's worth. Right. But let's take a look at some of these four and five teams here. Uh, we'll start with Syracuse. They lost 27-24 to Florida State in a game that was on the ACC network. I can't remember the last time like Florida State would be relegated to the ACC network in November. But that's what happened here. Syracuse, yeah, not November. Only if they're playing some FCS school would normally ever be on that. Right. Uh, so Syracuse's final three games... Home to Wake Forest, at Louisville, and home to Boston College. Is Syracuse bowl bound or not? Gosh, that's tough because the ACC is is very. There's a lot of depth in the ACC. I think there's a lot of teams that are decent, but not as many that are great. Maybe compared to other conferences. 
I can see I can see Syracuse losing all three. I can see him winning all three. So since I can see you know, it pains me to say because I want Syracuse to go to a bowl. But I think they're going to go five and seven and not get there. Pittsburgh is four and five. They are home to North Carolina at Virginia Tech. Home to Miami is Pittsburgh bull bound or not? No, they're going to beat North Carolina because North Carolina is awful. I do not think they will beat either Virginia Tech or Miami, though. Very good. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to pull up Duke here. They are four and five. Uh, Duke's final three games are. Home or they're at Army, home to Georgia Tech, and at Wake Forest. Duke bowl bound or not? Army, Wake Forest, and who was the other one? Uh, who did I say? Uh, uh, Georgia Tech. No, I can't remember what I said. Um, oh, let, let, I'll, I'll pull it back up here. Let's see. Right now, while you're uh, pulling that up, uh, at Wake Forest, at, at Wake Forest. Army, or, sorry, what were the three games again? At Army, home to Georgia Tech, at Wake Forest. I kind of like Duke and David Cutcliffe. I don't think they're going to get it either. I think they're going to get one. But side note, did you did you see that Army beat Air Force twenty-one to nothing? I did. And didn't even throw a pass. Like, there have been teams the last four or five years that have won games without completing a pass. And, you know, they go 0 for 4 or whatever. Army didn't even try to throw it. They weren't even pretending. And you know what? I, I think they're going to beat Duke. They're going to beat Duke, and then Duke will drop one of the other two. Okay. Uh, Texas is 4-5. and five. They're home to Kansas at West Virginia. Home to Texas Tech. Is Texas bowl-bound or not? Texas is bowl-bound. They're going to beat Kansas because, as funny as it is that Kansas won last year, they're not going to beat Texas two years in a row. And things are not looking great for Cliff Kingsbury and Texas Tech right now. So it'll be 6-6. Six and six. It won't be pretty. But after the last two years, if you're a Longhorns fan, I think at least making a bowl game is at least sort of a step in the right direction. Well, you mentioned Cliff Kingsbury and Texas Tech. They're also 4-5. and five. Their last three games, home to Baylor, home to TCU at Texas. Texas Tech bull bound or not? I think Texas Tech not bull bound. I will say that they beat Baylor to get to five, and then I think that will set up the Texas Texas Tech, which I think is played on Thanksgiving. Yep. That they will both be five and six, and it will be a game for bowl eligibility. And I'm going to say that the Longhorns win. Uh, again, I said I'd bring them back up here. So let's talk about Rutgers at Penn State at Indiana, home to Michigan State. Is Rutgers bull bound or not? They're four and five, like all the other teams. You yes. Said. Yep. We're looking at all four and five teams this week. Not bull bound. I don't know. In Indiana, this is like weird and dumb to say. I think Indiana is the best team that has not won a conference game this year because they seem to play well at times. But I think Rutgers will still win that game, but I don't think they're going to win the other two, though. I'm going to skip Maryland. We'll go to Nebraska. They're 4-5. and five. They're at Minnesota, at Penn State, home to Iowa. I think we talked about them last week, but may as well bring them up again. Is Nebraska bowl-bound or not? Well, if they're going to, they really need to win this week. I feel confident in saying they're not going to win against Penn State. 
know, unless, like, they cancel the rest of the football season because of an <laughs> academic football. So they would need to be in God. They have to, they would have to beat Iowa then, too, just beat Ohio State. I think part of this is just to go with my comparing it to the 2007 season. So I'm picking Nebraska to beat Minnesota, not because I necessarily think they will, but just because that puts Nebraska in a, if you beat Iowa, you go to a bowl game, and they still will not be able to do that. So, Minis- so no bowl game for the Cornhuskers. Okay, Minnesota does host Nebraska this week. They're at Northwestern and then home to Wisconsin. Is Minnesota bowl bound or not? Unfortunately for P.J. Fleck, I say that they are not either. He's- I- I thought they would be going into the year, mm-hmm. but I guess the bright side, I mean, it's, it's not fun, but at least you can say it's year one, changing the culture, building it from the ground up. We're going to try to be better in year two oh, yeah. and, and look for a, a two, three, four game improvement next year. And he had a, he did it at Western Michigan, started out slow year one, and it went so much better each year after that. Uh Purdue is four and five at Northwestern at Iowa and home to Indiana. Is Purdue bull bound or not? That actually looks kind of interesting. I thought Purdue was the second you said Purdue, I thought no. But hearing those games, and side note, did you know Northwestern has played in three straight overtime games now? That is nuts. I think they're they're the first team in history to play in three overtime games in a row, which means obviously Purdue and Northwestern going to overtime. <laughs> But I'm gonna I'm gonna say no for Purdue. But other than Rutgers, I think Purdue getting to five and seven would be like you know what this is so such a step in the, the right direction. But at least you'd have to feel better about the future when I think Purdue last won five games or more in a season in like 2011. I was I was just gonna go over the Power Fives this week, and you know we'll we'll discuss the non-conference um or the like the not the, the mid-majors i guess the the conference usas and everyone you know next week but unlv i'm just stopping at them they, they strike me as an interesting team here because they're four and five they are home to byu at new mexico and at nevada is unlv bull bound or not Wow, that's crazy, because when they lost to Howard in week one... And that's why I brought it up. Oh my god, UNLV's going to be terrible. They're going to beat BYU, I think, because BYU's just a dumpster fire this year. Yep. And then after that, it was uh, Nevada and who else that they play? New Mexico? Yes. Nevada's not any good either. I don't know know a great deal about New Mexico. I know Nevada's not good, though, so I'm going to say they beat Nevada. So UNLV is going to go from we lost and they were the biggest point spread favorite ever and lost to they're still going to make a bowl game. So, so good for the running Rebs. UCLA is 4-5. and five. Uh, It's just been a whole host of issues for them. They're home to Arizona State at USC and home to Cal. Is UCLA bull bound or not? I feel confident that they're not going to beat USC. But if they win the other two... Which you said were Cal and Arizona State? Yep. God, that UCLA-Arizona State game is going to be gross and crazy, and I don't have the slightest clue what's going to happen. That's Pac-12 after dark, I would hope. I know Josh Rosen was, like, sort of hurt. I don't know how hurt he is. If he can play against Arizona State, I'm going to say that Rosen and UCLA win, and they get to six games. 
is he will be the best player on the field still. If not, screw it, I'm going with the Sun Devils. No bowl game for UCLA. Okay. Missouri, we got five teams left here all in the SEC. Missouri, four and five. They're home to Tennessee at Vanderbilt at Arkansas. Is Missouri bowl bound or not? This is crazy because early in the year, I don't remember if it was after they lost to Purdue, but their coach had like that six-minute diatribe about turning things around. And it was like, oh, this looks bad. He's going to get fired. I don't know if Missouri's any better. It just helps that they're playing other teams that are really bad. I think they're going to get to six. I can't believe like a month ago you couldn't have convinced me that. But I'm going to say that uh, the Tigers, Tigers are bowling. When Tennessee doesn't play an SEC team, they are undefeated. They're four and five. They are at Missouri, home to LSU, and home to Vanderbilt. Is Tennessee bowl bound or not? Not bowl bound. I think they win one, so they don't go winless in conference play. But I don't think they get to two, and it's going to be the uh, the door slamming shut on Butch Jones and his uh, his tenure at. Likewise, Vanderbilt also is undefeated against teams not in the SEC. They have their home to Kentucky, home to Missouri, and at Tennessee. Is Vanderbilt bowl bound or not? Side note, remember early in the year when we were like, you know what, Vanderbilt won't win the East, but man, their defense looks really good. Mm -hmm. They might win a lot of games this year, and that's maybe not turned out. I'm going to say that Vanderbilt beats both Kentucky and Tennessee. Well, I'm gonna say Vandy gets to six and six somehow. Good, good. I I like that. I hope I hope for their sake they do. I, I like Vanderbilt. Um, and you know what? Uh, Pat Shermer, Vikings offensive coordinator. His son is the quarterback at Vanderbilt. So interesting fun fact there. Ole Miss is four and five. Eric Mason is the head coach at Vanderbilt. Yes, has the same name as the NFL receiver for the Baltimore Ravens a while ago. Yes, Jeremy. yes, he is, and I do oh, like I do like what he's doing in Vanderbilt. So I hope he doesn't get canned anytime soon. But uh, Ole Miss is four and five. They're home to Louisiana, formerly Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. Home to Texas A and M and at Mississippi State is Ole Miss bullbound or not? To be fair, I think Ole Miss is not able to go to a bowl game this year, even oh. if they do get six. Oh, that's so true. Yep, yep. But okay, we can still do it as the exercise of will they get to six and six. I don't think they're going to beat either of their two conference opponents. They'll right. win the non-conference game to get to five, but no bowl game for the Rebels. Thank you for that uh, the, the clarification. That's that's good on you. And uh, finally, Arkansas. We just we talked about them. But they are at LSU, home to Mississippi State, and home to Missouri. Is Arkansas bowl bound or not? They're not. They're, they're going to lose the first two, so they're, they're not bowl bound. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know. Arkansas, Missouri might be like. If, if, there's going to be so many other good games that weekend because that's the last weekend of the season. But if somehow that game's on like a Thursday or a Friday. And is on in its own time slot. It is. That could it, sort of be interesting to see, but it but is. Now that I say that and think about it, it might be incredibly gross, and maybe you should avoid watching it at all. Well, after you shop on Black Friday, sit down and watch because at one thirty on CBS, it's uh, that Friday. It's uh, Arkansas and Missouri. So that's funny because you know what that means. I don't know if it's the exact same time, but your choices are going to be like. Do you want to watch Arkansas, Missouri, or do you want to watch Nebraska, Iowa? It'll be like, oh, 
have like terrible games. So you could hope that your tryptophan actually just uh, happens on on Friday then, so you could take a nap during the, <laughs> during Friday afternoon versus Thursday afternoon. I might overdose into a trip to Fancoma just for like that whole Friday. <laughs> so just so I purposely can't watch Nebraska play. Very good. All right, Charlie, appreciate the time as always. Uh, and I'm uh, looking forward to next week and we'll, uh, we'll be doing more of Bullbound or not. And uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be another crazy weekend in college football, though, that's for sure. Thank you. Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me again. You're very welcome. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand here, uh, Sioux City Journal. Check out his stuff at uh, SiouxCityJournal.com. Excellent stuff, as always. Uh, yeah, it's it just a just an absolutely batshit crazy week in college football. It just seems like it's all it always is, and there's going to be a lot of teams that made it to a bowl game last year that that might not this year. It's absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts, but that's the beauty of it. So we'll see. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be great stuff. But we'll wrap up the podcast as we always do. Uh, we will save. You know, yeah, let's just get right to uh, the look at back at week nine in the NFL. Preview what's going to happen here in week ten. The NFL picks here and wrap up the Sports Block podcast for another week. Now on iTunes. We wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, as we always do, to look at what happened back the previous week in the NFL and make some early predictions and picks for the upcoming week in the NFL. So let's get right to week nine actions. Started Thursday night, and I mean, who would have ever seen the New York Jets winning four games all year, let alone by November by by Veterans Day? I mean, are you kidding me? Jets pummel the Bills 34 to 21. Bills made it slightly interesting late, but the, make no mistake about it. The the Jets thoroughly outplayed them in this one. I I'm stunned. I I then I had them for two wins all year and they have four by Veterans Day. It's it's amazing. Carolina tops Atlanta 20 to 17. Atlanta scored the first 10 points. Julio Jones drops a a sure touchdown that got that would have got the Falcons right back in this game. Uh, it's I've never seen him drop a pass like this. It's like a WTF moment. But uh, things are going kind of haywire for Atlanta right now. Carolina gets the win. They are without Kelvin Benjamin, as you might know. He was traded to Buffalo. By the way, he was inactive for Thursday night's game against the Jets. Indianapolis beats Houston 20-14, as we discussed. Travis and I did anyway. Uh, Tom Savage, bad at quarterbacking. Texans should get someone else. Should get Colin Kaepernick. They won't. But, uh, yeah, T.Y. Hilton, big day. Five catches, 175 yards, two touchdowns, including one where he fell. Texans didn't touch him. He ran and scored. Yep, pretty much all you need to know on that one. Texans lose by six. Jaguars beat the the Bengals 23-7. Big fight in this one. A.J. Green and uh, wide receiver for the Bengals. Jalen Ramsey, safety for the Jaguars. Get into it late in the first half. Green throws punches. Amazingly doesn't get suspended. Uh, I, I don't understand that. But he, he did get ejected for, from the game. And the Bengals offense suffered as a result of it. And they ultimately lose 23-7. to Speaking of fights, uh, I, I don't know if it was you know daylight savings time. 
I mean, maybe that's what happened. You know, they got too much sleep or there's something with the moon. I, I, I don't know what to tell you here, but another fight broke out here in the in the Saints-Buccaneers game. Um, Marshawn Lattimore gets poked by Jameis Winston, who had left the game with a shoulder injury. Like, why? So he gives Winston a little shove. It's I mean, nothing big. And then Mike Evans just comes out of nowhere and blows up Marshawn Lattimore, the Saints rookie cornerback. Huge fight ensues. Evans did not get ejected, but he is suspended for a game. Uh, he apologized for his actions afterward, but the Buccaneers, what a dumpster fire they are. Uh, yeah, so much for them taking the next step. Saints have won six games in a row. Speaking of dumpster fires, uh, the, let's go to the Meadowlands, not for the Jets, but for the Giants. They lose 51-17 to game. They, they should have just not even arrived at the stadium. I mean, you give up a third and 33 for a touchdown to Robert Woods. At Jared Goff played outstanding. The Rams... 51 to 17 and they are 6 and 2. Uh, very there are a lot of surprises in the NFC. Uh Saints of course, the the Eagles, the the Rams, the Vikings, it's just what? Speaking of the Eagles, they also hang up 51 on arguably the best defense in the NFL, the Denver Broncos. A Broncos secondary chose not to show up. I don't know if it was a result, uh, or if it was because they knew Brock Osweiler was quarterbacking the the Broncos. I mean, he's he's terrible. He was he had he was decent in Denver. Uh, that he's he's it's been all downhill since then. Carson Wentz throws another four touchdowns. Uh, probably took out. Uh, Took it out on Denver's defense, the fact that the Bison lost in the Dakota Marker game to South Dakota State. Tennessee hangs on to beat Baltimore 23-20. Not much here. Like they just, I mean, Marcus Mariota's back. He threw a couple touchdowns. Delaney Walker, he played. It just, yeah, just one of those games. Tennessee gets the win. Uh, Baltimore's offense once again struggled. But uh, Tennessee ultimately prevails. Arizona beats San Francisco 20-10. Adrian Peterson, 37 carries, 159 yards. Carlos Hyde, the 49ers running back. He got in a fight with a couple of Cardinals defenders late. So just the fighting all day. What? Uh, 49ers 0-9 on the year. Jimmy Garoppolo still not starting at quarterback. Washington upset Seattle 17-14. Their defense played so good. Blair Walsh, uh, this should be familiar to all Vikings fans, missed three field goals all wide left, just barely. Uh, Yet the Seahawks had a lead late after Russell Wilson found uh, uh, Doug Baldwin for a touchdown. But then the Seahawks defense gives up some long passes to Washington. Uh, Kirk Cousins, amazing throws. The the throw on the sideline to Josh Dotson, I'll give Josh Dotson, I guess, more of the credit for the catch, but... uh, Simply outstanding, and the the Washington wins. I I don't know season saving win for them. It would appear. Dallas takes down Kansas City twenty eight to seventeen despite a terrible defensive uh, lapse there at the end of the first half, allowing Tyreek Hill to score on a fifty six yard catch at thirty of the yards, at least thirty five, maybe forty. We're all him. He ran it just, I, I don't get it. Ezekiel Elliott almost had 100 yards. Dak Prescott, two touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. And uh, the Cowboys have now won three in a row. Chiefs have now lost three of four. Oakland beats Miami 27-24. to Big win for Derek Carr and company, who now just sit back two, or sit two games back of the Chiefs. AFC West, not over yet. Uh, the Dolphins did look much better on offense 
after trading JHI to Philadelphia. The trade deadline and Detroit all over Green Bay, 30-17. to Brett Hundley, uh, he has the weapons, but he's hanging on the ball too much. I'm surprised Green Bay didn't run the ball more. Uh, Matthew Stafford, huge game through the air. A couple touchdowns, 361 yards. Lions didn't have to punt, and they just torched them. They are the true competitors to the Vikings in said NFC North. Vikings, of course, were on by along with five other teams. And as we look ahead now, make some early predictions for Week 10. It does kick off Thursday night in the desert. Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Remember last year in the desert, it was a 6-6 game. Missed field goals, bad offense. I expect we'll see something a little different here. But, I mean, (sighs) Seattle's got to be... Stinging and just over that loss to to Washington, I think they come back in a big way, and I like Seattle to beat Arizona. But I've been terrible with the Thursday night game, so why not get another one wrong? Eight twenty-five p.m. Eastern, seven twenty-five p.m. Central Time on NBC. NBC now taking over the Thursday night package for the rest of the year. It's also streaming on the NFL Network, and or it's on NFL Network and streaming on Amazon Prime. Sunday's games, Green Bay at Chicago, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. This is a de facto elimination game. Uh, if it, it, Whichever team loses, they're not making the playoffs. Uh, both teams probably aren't going to make the playoffs, or at least I, both of them don't have great chances. But the, the loser of this one is, is really out. And just with the way Brett Hundley has looked, the way that Bears defense is playing a little bit here, and you know, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen rush in the football. I think I'm going to take the Bears to take down the Packers. Packers, prove me wrong if you want to. I'll take Trubisky and company. Cleveland at Detroit, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Um, the Browns haven't won a game. They they still choose not to sign Colin Kaepernick. Matthew Stafford's playing really well right now. Uh, the, the Lions, duh. Uh, absolutely. Pittsburgh at Indianapolis, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Listen, the Colts got a great win last week against Houston. That's nice. Pittsburgh coming to town. Pittsburgh's offense really good. Colts defense not so good. They Their offense won't be able to match uh, the Steelers score for score. Taking the Colts. Or, take, take the Colts. Haha, <laughs> April Fools. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers win this one easily. Los Angeles Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. This is a sneaky game here. The Chargers playing some better football as of late. But the Jaguars, they seem to have things rolling right now. That defense, I think, going to make life miserable for Phillip Rivers and company. I'll take the Jaguars. New Orleans Saints at the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. What a dandy of a game this is. Uh, just who would have thought that th- this would pit two teams above 500 at this point. I mean, the Bills looking for their first playoff uh, spot since, you know, the the turn of the century. The Saints have won six in a row. Hard to go against Drew Brees and company at this point. I'm going to take them slightly, but I don't feel good about that game or about this pick at all. This is probably the most difficult game of the week to pick. Certainly one of the top three. Uh, Yeah, not good there. How about the New York Jets at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. No James Winston. He's been shut down for a couple weeks. The rest of that sore shoulder. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, former Jets quarterback, gets a start. No Mike Evans. Jets playing better. 
Uh, I'll give it to the Bucks. I'll try them one last time. Is that smart? I don't know. No, no, we're going with the Jets. It's dumb. I, I hate this game too. Tough game to pick. I'll go with the Jets. Minnesota at Washington, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Prove something to me, Vikings. Prove that you can win a game on the road, post by Washington. And their offense is pretty good. We'll see what the offensive lineman injury stance is like for Washington, but uh, I'll take Washington in this one. Cincinnati at Tennessee, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Yes, it's one of the crossover games. Cincinnati doesn't look very good right now. I'm going to take Marcus Mariota and company. I'll take the Titans. Houston at Los An- uh, The Houston Texans at the Los Angeles Rams, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. If Deshaun Watson were playing, I'd take the Texans. He's not. Tom Savage is. Rams in a runaway. Dallas Cowboys at the Atlanta Falcons, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Don't know about the status of Des Bryant. He's got a knee or an ankle injury. But the have you seen the Falcons lately? Their confidence is plummeting. Uh, taking Dallas. Unless Ezekiel Elliott gets suspended after this rec- recording. I don't know. I'll, I'll take Dallas, though. The New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Why? Why does this game have to be played? Can we just give both teams L? Uh, give it to the Giants just because the 49ers are terrible still. Uh, New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC, Sunday Night Football. I've had the Broncos winning this game before, but their offense is atrocious right now. Tom Brady and the Patriots a week to, or a couple, oh, yeah, the bye week to prepare. I'm going to take Tom Brady and the Patriots in this one. And the Miami Dolphins at the Carolina Panthers, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, ESPN Monday Night Football. Give me the Panthers, because I don't trust the Dolphins to do much of anything on the road. And that's a look at week 10 in the NFL. The official picks and predictions can be found in the stack. That's the stack at stackattack.sportsblog.com. Uh, appreciate you listening here this week. Um, college football, big stuff there. You can find this podcast available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at ND Stacken. Otherwise, on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. I have a link posted to the podcast later on in the week. Uh, that's, uh, again, a lot, of, a lot of serious situations going on out there, especially in Texas. Um, but, again, the thoughts prayers are with the family and all of the teammates and Major League Baseball in general regarding the the untimely and sudden death of uh, Roy Halladay. Certainly not good. Uh, we are looking forward, though, to uh, college basketball coming up here, more college football, so we'll try and get Charlie Hildebrand again on next week. Of course, Travis, yours truly here. Uh, big college basketball season preview next week. We'll present our final four teams and everything and can't wait for another year of college basketball bring on march madness again find the podcast on itunes sports block podcast and at nd stacking on twitter nathan stack and facebook thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the podcast as always and hope you listen again next week here again college football playoff talk college basketball season preview and more see what else is in store Nathan Sacken saying thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a good week. Talk to you next week.